I'm in the grocery store one day, happened, just happened to walk past the magazine aisle, and I, I see this article about identity theft on the cover, and I'm like, huh. Might be a good article. <laughs> so I open it up, and it's like Shadow Crew, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I we are here uh, doing an interview with Brett Johnson, and... Um. Yeah, I've already fucked it up. That's fine. All right. So, uh, do me a favor. If you like the video, uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, so you get notified of videos just like this. Leave me a comment, and I will respond to the comment. And hopefully, Brett uh, will uh, answer some comments too and check them out. Also, Brett has a YouTube channel, and th- what is the name of the YouTube? It channel? is the Brett Johnson Show is on the, YouTube. It is the Brett Johnson Show, and this is what's uh, one of the things that's kind of interesting is that I was number one on the secret. Well, one I was on the Secret Service's most wanted list, which is odd but i was also for a period of time for a couple years i was number one on the secret service's most wanted list and brett johnson was number one on the most wanted list too we're gonna hear about his story and like i said he's got a he's got a podcast where you he goes over mostly cyber crimes and cyber crime uh, security um how to become this better guy because i'm still trying to learn how to be healthy okay that too okay see hodgepodge of bullshit see that's the same that's (laughs) the same kind of thing too it's funny because people watch this show and they're always like they're always like um They'll always say like, "Oh, you're inspiring and 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 amazing and this and that." And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to be a decent human being. Like, so, but for some reason, that's inspiring. And and you know what? That's. Um, I'm glad you said that because I get a lot of that, man. And yeah. I I just don't understand it because I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to go through this damn journey right now. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um. Okay. So. Uh. So yeah. Uh. Check it out, and uh, we're gonna start with the. Uh, oh. Oh. Patreon. Hit my Patreon up. I got a Patreon and, you know, it's like, you know, Connor and Colby and, you know, these guys aren't free. So hit me up uh, and, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And here's the, uh, here we're going to start the interview. Um, one of the things, can I ask you a question real quick before sure. we get into it? Because this is a question I get all the time. Okay. I want to know how you answer it. Well, I, I've got multiple questions I get all the time. And, <laughs> well, shoot them out, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. these are the questions people ask me, and and people always look shocked when I answer them. Right. And I always think, oh, that's the wrong answer. Like, that's not what they expected. So one of those is, do you ever think about uh, committing fraud? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm like, if people ask me that, I'm like, every yeah. single day. Dude, pandemic, it was like. Shit, that's some money there. <laughs> you know, it's like, damn. I'll see a real estate commercial where they're buying real estate sight unseen. Oh, Jesus. And I'm like, oh, stop it, bro. Stop. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, oh, God, dear, dear God, what are you doing, man? What's happening? Well, here? that that criminal mindset never leaves. It never right. leaves. It's always there. So I am asked that. I'm also asked, uh, would I ever commit a crime again? Right. And they, you know, news or whoever's asking that wants you to say no. And the answer is not no. It's never no for me either. That's right. It's it's like, you know, I'm recovering. The longer I go without committing a crime, the chances are I'll keep going. But right now I'm I'm just recovering from all this bullshit. I I actually told my uh, probation officer. Well, I've actually told several people. Did did you take RDAP? Yes, I took RDAP. Okay. I almost caused a riot at Fort Worth Prison taking RDAP. So I've told the doctor that, that was running the program this, and I told my probation officer, she was, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I know I'm going to bust my ass. I'm going to get a job. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust my ass for the next year, hopefully pull some shit together, get myself on my feet. And, and I kept saying, I guess I said a year too many times. And she goes, well, what happens if it takes longer than a year? And I go, 
if it takes longer than a year? And she goes, yeah. I go, if it, if I'm, if in a year from now, I'm living in someone's spare room, I'm taking the bus to work. I can barely pay my bills like that. And she goes, yeah. I said, I go, I'm going to commit a massive, massive fraud. That's what I was about to say. Then fuck it. Balls to the wall at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, If I can't feed myself in a year from now, then I gave it a good shot. Okay. So that's, I mean, that is the answer, right? I mean, unless, unless we've got, you know, I wanted to turn my life around, but if you don't have that support group, if you don't have a way to make a living, you're, you leave prison with the exact same tools you go in with. So you're going to do what you need to do yeah. to survive. Yeah. I mean, that's a fact. Yeah. So, you know, that's what the justice system and, and family members and friends and anyone who interviews you, they don't understand that. They're like, oh, no, I would never commit a crime. Again. No, 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 no. Listen, no. listen, listen, you would. And here's what I told the doctor, by the way, was I, I had said to her, I said, she, she goes, well, crime is never an option. I went, oh, I said, listen, let's assume that your husband leaves you for her, for his Secretary, let's assume the economy goes south. I said, which we all know it can. Let's assume and it that, is right. Well, <laughs> at, at that time, it wasn't. I go, let's assume that I said they don't have the budget to hire to hire people like you at a hundred thousand dollars. I said, and you go out and you try and get a, a job in a bad economy and you can't. You find yourself and your two kids living in your car with no support from anybody. I said, and there is a loaf of bread four feet inside of the supermarket's front door. I said, if you steal that loaf of bread, your kids live another week. I said, you wouldn't do it? I go, the difference between you and me, I said, is my, the bar for committing crime for me is just lower than yours. Right. I mean, that's everybody will do it. Everyone will do it. That's a fact. And what, so, and, and of course that's the argument and what people don't understand is, okay, yeah, you'll steal that bologna, you'll steal that bread. But you know, if you're going to steal bologna, shit, why would I eat bologna if I could have steak? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't have to. If I'm willing to do this, I don't have to live in my car That's anymore. exactly right. My kids deserve better. So here's the other question is where, and this always kills me too, is they're like, well, man, when you were on the run, you must have been like, were you scared all the time? Were you worried? Was it horrible? And I always say, and I know this is the wrong one. <laughs> I'm always like, bro, honestly, like the best, the best period of my life was, was being on the run. I love to be on the run. Have you read Shantaram or not? No. So Indian guy, I'm, I'm sorry, Australian guy, true story, but he novelizes it. He escapes from an Australian maximum security prison. Or I'm sorry, New Zealand maximum security prison. Makes his way to India and starts running black markets for medical goods, everything else like that. But he talks about that escape and being on the run and how every single day was like the highest day of his life because he's free, he's beat the system again another day, everything else. And and so with me, it was, I took a road trip. I, I did the Route 66 cruise right. and I spent a lot of time in Vegas, a lot of time out in LA. But every single day, I mean, it was very lonely, but at the same time, it was like, shit, I'm beating the system every day. Yeah. It's, and I was it's okay. just you and your wits That's against it. everything. There's That's no, it. there's no, something goes wrong. There's nobody I can call. That's it. So I, I've got no help. I have to figure out how to do every single thing by myself. And see, but that's the thing, right? I mean, the, we, when I, when I, that criminal mindset, we are used to doing things on our own and we have the will to do it. Right. And, and a lot of it, I, I was, I gave an interview just yesterday. I forgot who I was talking to, but it's just that sheer force of will that sees a lot of this stuff through. Yeah. You know? Um, okay. So, so let's, let's rewind here. Where, where were you, where were you born? <laughs> oh, dude, I'm from, I'm from Hazard, Kentucky. So if you've seen the news lately, all those floods, uh, mm-hmm. that's the epicenter of all the floods. And that's where I was born. I come from, from Hazard. Um, it's coal country. My dad was a helicopter pilot in the uh, U S army captain. 
So I grew up overseas in Germany and throughout the 50 states, things like that. My dad was forced out of the military. They did a downsizing. He was forced out around 78, 79, becomes a coal miner. And at that point in time, you were paid pretty well, except they were on strike all the time. So it was feast and famine frequently. Uh, My mom... (laughs) (laughs) So my mom was just kind of a fuck. Um, Addicted to opiates. She cheated on my dad constantly. Um, this is a woman I, I talked about in my presentation, but no shit, man. She would bring men home in front of him. He would sit there and cry, beg her not to do it. And by God, she'd do it anyway. Have these conversations with him. You know, Hey, I'm leaving you for him. And she'd get, be gone a couple of weeks, come back and he'd take her back. I mean, this was my dad. He was, he was a good guy, but you know, if you want to call him a cuck, you can call him that, but. He was That's overwhelmingly in love with this woman. Yeah, he, and, and and he grew up in a he grew up in a really good family, a really good family. When he went to tell his mom, he tells me the story today. When he went to tell his mom that he was about to marry my mom, she literally passes out and uh, don't do it, Ray. Don't do it. Not only that, but when when he goes to uh, tell my mom's dad Paul that he's going to marry her. Paul sits him down. He's like, Ray Jean, if you knew what I knew, you'd take off running and you wouldn't look back (laughs) and he wouldn't listen. Right. So um, he marries her. She was definitely the criminal in the family. This is a woman. uh, She she steals a Caterpillar D9 bulldozer at one point. She uh, she takes a slip and fall in a store at another. This is a woman that used to go to the drugstore. She'd get the empty uh, capsules and fill them up with bullshit to try to sell them as speed and amphetamines and everything else. I mean, anything and everything to try to get money. Um, My life, my first crime, I was 10. My mom had left my dad. Let's backtrack. So my dad, my dad was a good guy because I've not told this story before, but my dad was a good guy. He never really, he, he never really committed any crime on his own. If my mom wanted to commit a crime, he'd co-sign on to it. Right. So yeah, let's try that bullshit. The two times that he tries to really go in to commit a crime. The first time was, uh, uh, we won't do the first time. The second time he's watching 60 minutes one night and they've got a show about the Miami drug trade. You know, they're showing the stacks of cash, the tables of Coke and everything else. And this man is just, just focused on that damn segment. And we're all sitting there kind of watching it like, what the hell, dad? And my mom's looking at my dad like, Ray, are you okay? So he gets through watching the segment, turns around, looks at her and he's like, I think I need to go to Miami and be a police officer. And she was like, maybe you do. And his plan was to get down to Miami, become a cop, happen upon some drug deal someplace, keep the cash. They keep the drugs retire. And my point was, won't they just shoot your ass? And he was like, ah, no, it won't happen. So they sell every single thing. They sell everything they've got round up like, I don't know, $6,000, rent a U-Haul, head south on I-75, end up in Miami the night the 1980 riots broke out in Miami that same night. So city was exploding and everything else. My mom's like, holy shit. We get in a day's in right across the street from all these homeless people. She's like, kids, don't go outside. So uh, my dad goes to cop school the first day, comes back, and he's like, I think it's going to be all right. Second day he comes back, he's like, shit, we got to get out of here. So it turns out the Miami-Dade cops, the real ones, had burst into the training session, arrested like six people with outstanding warrants, and they all had the same idea of happening upon a drug deal and keeping the cash. Right. So from there, we head back up I-75. They're running out of money. And they decide on Panama City, Florida, because when they were kids, they had spent spring break there. So go there. My dad, the only job he could get was as a 7-Eleven store clerk making $140 a week. 
My mom was an LPN. She gets a job in a nursing home, keeps the job long enough to see my dad off to work so she can start cheating on his ass again. And we slowly go broke. Um, that, that, and that's a lot of the motivation for me over the years. I mean, when we were in Panama City when I was a kid, we would be without power, without water. We would literally be out in the backyard of the house we were renting, catching water in buckets so we could flush the toilet, brush our teeth, shit like that. How old were you at this point? Eight, nine. Okay. So my mom leaves my dad. I was 10. Denise, my sister, was nine. Moved back from moved, moved back to Hazard, Kentucky. And um, at that point, my mom was, was just a fuck, dude. I mean, just an abusive parent was what she was. Uh, she would beat us, but that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was the mental and the emotional stuff. You know, she had, this is a woman who'd tell us, I gave up my life for you, and I'm going to leave one day and never come back, and you'll find me dead someplace. You know, just constantly yeah, like yeah, this. Um, so what happens is she moves us back to Hazard, Kentucky. We're living in an apartment underneath of, uh, her parents and they were absolutely insane too. This is her dad. We couldn't eat upstairs. We didn't have any food, couldn't eat upstairs cause they would always, you know, tease us and, and talk about how poor we were. He would make sure that we, when we bathed, we were allowed a bath a week inch and a half, two inches of water. No more than that. If he found out any more, he'd raise absolute total hell. Right? So we were living in that environment. My mom out partying all the time. Sometimes she'd take us with her, leave us in the car. We'd wait in the living room as she went in the bedroom and got it on with somebody. Most of the time she just left us at home. And um, what happens is the crime, first crime ever committed. Home for a few days, no food in the house. I'm the kid that used to, you know, I'd be scared mom wasn't coming home. That's the way I took it all. You know, she said it, she's not going to be back. So I'd post up at the window or walk out in the driveway. Denise, nine years old, angry as shit. You know, she didn't worry about that. And to this day, Denise still has those anger issues. But um, my first crime, no food in the house. Denise walks in one day, got a pack of pork chops in her hand. I'm like, where'd you get that? She's like, I stole it. I was like, show me how you did that. So she takes me over to A&P, shows, shows me how she's stealing food. And I'm like, good idea. And we get to where we're wanting a sandwich, man. And um, Denise had been stuffing the, uh, the food down her pants. That's how we were getting the food out of there. Kmart across the way and you can't, you know, you can't put a loaf of bread down your pants. So I looked at my sister and I was like, let me see what I can do. Walked into Kmart, 10, 10, 10 years old, walked into Kmart, got a hoodie off the rack, took the tags off of it, put it on, wore it out, got out. And I was like, shit. So stuffed the loaf of bread down the sleeve, walk out of A&P with it. Kmart, of course, starts stealing toys and games and books, clothes, everything else. Mom comes home, sees the shit. Where'd you get this? I stand up. We found it. She's like, you didn't find this. Denise stands up. We stole it. My mom looks at my sister. Show me how you did that. So she starts running us as little shoplifters, calls her mom. So it's this intergenerational shoplifting ring of all of a sudden. We start taking these road trips. They, they go to JCPenney's and steal clothes and jewelry, bullshit like that. I was the book guy, so I'd always stop at the bookstore and steal a load of books and take them back and, you know, devour them. But uh, first crime I committed right there. And uh, usually at that point in the, in the present day, and you know this, I, I'm sure you know this shit too. I don't know what, how old you were when you started crying. I was 10. And, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you can't help what the adults in your circle do. You're going to do the shit they do. Yeah. But when I became that adult, you know, I chose to do that. Yeah. It, but I had that path laid for me. My sister, other than that shoplifting, she's fine. She, I mean, uh, well, anger issues out the ass, but, um, Denise is a parent. She's a, she's a teacher. She works hard every day. Doesn't break the law or anything else. I was the guy that just kept on going. And, um, so that's the first crime I committed right there. And I, found out quickly that not only my mom, but everyone on that side of the family 
were criminals. Yeah. Whole, so I, it's a whole whole, whole ring of whole comments. damn thing. So I, yeah. I grew up, man, doing uh, insurance fraud. You know, faking accidents, burning uh, cars for cash, burning homes, um, faking accidents as well, um, trafficking drugs, growing pot, illegally strip mining coal. Uh, I was on the Lex Friedman show. He got a kick out of that bullshit. But uh, document forgery, I grew up knowing how to do that until I branched off on my own. I faked a car accident in 94, 96, got the money to be, get married, moved from Hazard, Kentucky to Lexington <laughs> to go to UK. And I was a uh, an English major and theater major. Do you have a job at, during any of this time? Or is it just one <laughs> lick after one lick's carrying you on to no, the next I, one? Or? Uh, so that's, that's a good question. The first job I had, my stepfather... My mom gets remarried. My stepfather, he uh, he was a coal miner. She talks him into quitting his job, going into the coal business, and he was that's where the illegal strip mining comes in. He couldn't afford to, to get the permits, the two acre permits, so he does what's called wildcatting. That's where you just go in and take the coal out, and you don't worry about reclaiming the land or anything else. And that's how you make money. A lot of people do that in that area. So he goes broke doing that. And we ended up living in a 40-foot trailer. Me, my sister, my stepdad, my mom, and a work hand were in this 40-foot trailer for 18 months living off literally deer meat and cornmeal. And I remember saying to my sister, I'll never do this shit again. So another motivator all of a sudden. But um, what happens is, is um, I forgot your damn question. <laughs> No, I was asking uh, the if you had a job during this the whole job. Thing. So, so the first job I got is he finally rebuilds himself, starts logging. So he hired me. We didn't have any money. He's like, I'll pay you twenty dollars a day to go out and log with me. So I logged ten hours a day, two hour, two dollars an hour. Was the first job. The first company I worked for was uh, Domino's. Domino's Pizza became a manager and ripped them off for probably $30,000 in a year <laughs> until they found out about it. I mean, I was living pretty well and everyone got pizzas. So uh, that was the first job. The second job was um, I worked at Jay Peterman, you know, like from Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I worked at the, the real Jay Peterman company for a while, ripped them off. Then I moved over to, uh, I was at a, a deli assistant manager at Kroger for a while didn't rip them off because that was a corporation. They'd find that out. But I did eat well from the deli. Then I went over to, uh, there was a place called the Lexington Diners Club. Gave you this discount. They sold telemarketing, this discount um, um, card for restaurants. You'd go in, you'd buy one meal, they'd give you another free. I ended up stealing. They sold those cards for $60 a piece. So one night I just did a B&E, went in and stole like 300 of these cards and start, set up my own telemarketing shop selling them until they found out about it and I got charged for that. So that was another one. Um, I worked for the for the Shriner Circus for a while. They ran the Shriner Circus. This company ran Shriner Circus donations and Kiwanis do donations. So I set up my own Kiwanis charity and would do telemarketing to get the donations to go in my pocket. Got caught, did three months on that. After that is when I find the internet. So that right. was all the little scams going up to that. Um, so I'm, on, I'm, you know, I'm online every day. I found eBay and I was like, shit, I like eBay. Didn't know how to make money on eBay. So I, I used to watch Inside Edition. Idiot Bill O'Reilly, he was the host of Inside back then. And they were doing a show that night on Beanie Babies, profiling Peanut, the Royal Blue Elephant. I'm sitting there watching like $1,500. Shit, I didn't find me a peanut. And I was I was really naive. I was like, well, you know, I'm in Kentucky. You got all these little rural stores and everything. I just go around to all these stores and surely there's one, one in the bin. Yeah. 
So six hours of that the next day, I'm like, no, there's none in the bin. Their asses are on eBay for $1,500. So what I did was they had the gray Beanie Baby elephant, the exact same elephant, just a different color. Had that thing for $8, and I'm like, buy the gray Beanie Baby elephant for $8. Stop by Kroger on the way home, pick up a pack of blue rip dye, go home, try to dye the little guy. Turns out they're made out of polyester. Don't hold dye. You literally get them out, and you see all the all the ink <laughs> draining off the damn thing. So here I am, trying to dry it with a blow dryer so the ink stays. And it looks like, it looks like it's got the mange when you get through with it. And what I did was found a picture of a real one, posted it on eBay. Woman wins the bid. As soon as she wins the bid, I'm like, send her a message because I want to put her on the defense of not me. So I sent her a message. I was, I was like, hey, uh, congratulations on winning the bid. We'll get this right out to you. The problem is, is that we've never done any business before. I don't know if I can trust you. What I need you to do, go down to the U.S. Postal Service, pick up a couple money orders for $1,500, send those to me. Once I get those, I'll send you your animal. She believed that. Sends me the money orders. I cash them out. I send her them, this creature in the mail. Immediately get a phone call. I didn't order this. My exact response was, lady, you ordered a blue elephant. I sent you a blue-ish elephant. And... Right there is that for me, that was the first lesson of cybercrime right there. Delay a victim long enough. You just keep putting them off. A lot of them, because they don't know who to report to or anything else, they get exasperated, throw their hands in there, walk away. None of them complained to law enforcement. Right. So first crime I committed, got away with it, kept going. Got to where I was another inside edition. They were selling autographed baseballs of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. So I was watching that and I was like, Shit, I can do autographed baseballs. <laughs> go go down to Academy the next day, buy a case of baseballs, stop by that same Kroger, pick up a Sharpie, go home, start trying to sign it. And I was like, shit, that doesn't look anything like their signatures. So then I was like, well, okay, so they're signing it at the field. Certificate of Authenticity. So I printed my own Certificate of Authenticities, sold them all $60 a piece. About three weeks later, knock at the door. Bam, bam, bam. You know, that cop knock. Bam, bam, yeah, bam. Yeah. I was like, I was married at the time. And... uh Honey, it's for you. Yeah, my wife, she's just looking at me because she knows what that knock is, too. You know, you, you, you've never heard it before, but you know yeah. right there. And I'm like, okay. Or so if I, they hang out with you long enough, exactly, they get to know it. They, yeah. they get to know at that point. So I open the door, and the cop's name, he was Sergeant Pat Tingle from the Fayette County Sheriff's Office. I open the door. He's there with a the detective. He's like, are you Brett Johnson? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, can we come in and talk to you about some baseballs? I was like, sure. Come on in. So my wife, Susan, she's just looking at me. She stands up by this point. She doesn't even look at them. She's just looking dead at me. So they're like, uh, autographed baseballs. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Not, yep. Where'd you get them? Bought them off eBay with certificates of authenticity. Yep. Off eBay. Yep. Mr. Johnson, we've got a sample of their signatures down at the office, and it doesn't look anything like them. I was like, huh, that's weird. They come with certificates of authenticity. I, a, I was going to say, I have a certificate. <laughs> and they're like, Mr. Johnson, we think you printed those off. And I was like, no, sir. And Mr. Johnson, we think you signed those baseballs. And I was like, nope, not me. So then they're like, you're going to send these people their money back, or we're going to put you in jail. Do you understand? I was like, I understand that. So they leave. My wife, Susan, whole time she's looking dead at me. Finally, I look over and I was like, what? And she's like, you son of a bitch. That's why you bought all those goddamn baseballs. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was one. There was another where uh, Microsoft front page, they were giving out free uh, trial versions of front page 98. So um, I had the crack that would turn it into the full version. So I posted on eBay. I had you know, the full version for like 30 bucks. And uh, 
there was a Kinko's down the street. So one night, 2 p.m., 2 a.m., I walk in and look at the guy behind the counter. I was like, do you mind if I take a few of these trial versions? He's like, dude, you can take all of them if you want to. I was like, yeah. He was like, yeah. So I just pick up the entire stand, <laughs> walk out the door with it, go up, post them on eBay, <laughs> sell them all for $30 a piece. That gets a knock at the door. As, 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 same deputy same, same guy. guy he came like four times man he would, he would be like brent come on now but what was happening is they were all everyone i sold the uh the stuff to they were all out of state yeah and they weren't going to come to kentucky to file charges yeah. so. and will is he was like who like at that point you know who the fbi it's not like they're really used right. to this quite right. yet right he once conned bank of america out of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars using nothing but a fake ID and his charm. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crime, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. So those were the first little scams, and I, you know, I kept going, got better at it. Finally, I start selling pirated software. Pirated software leads into mod chips, first into gaming systems so you can play the pirated disc. Then I started putting mod chips into cable boxes so you can watch all the pay-per-view, all the porn, all that bullshit. Then finally, started programming satellite DSS cards. So those 18-inch RCA systems, you pull the card out of it, program it, turn on all the channels. Started doing that. Canadian judge, right as I start doing that. Connor's shaking his head. <laughs> Connor, he's, like, al he's always disappointed. Like whenever I tell stories, he always halfway through, he starts going like, what were you like, shit. What are you doing? So a Canadian judge ruled that this was like 97, 98. Canadian judge rules that it's legal for Canadian citizens to pirate RCA signals. And his, his exact language in court was RCA doesn't sell the systems here. So it's legal for my citizens to take those signals. So overnight in the United States, Little, little industry pops up. You go down to Best Buy, buy the system for $100, take it out in the parking lot, open the system up, pull the system out, pull the card out, throw the system away, program the card, ship its ass to Canada, $500 a pop. Started doing that, making a lot of money. Had so many orders, couldn't fill them all. Quickly, and I mean by God, quickly thought to myself, why do I need to fill any of the orders? They're in Canada. I'm down here. Who are they going to complain to? So I didn't fill any of the orders. Stole even more money. I was stealing like 4000 a week at that point, making a pretty good living, and was getting worried about things. I was like, man, I'm going to be looked at for money laundering. So I got it in my head. I was like, what I need is I need a fake driver's license. I'll use that driver's license to open up a bank account, launder the money through there, cash out at the ATM. No one will know me. I'm at UK. I have no idea where to get a fake ID. So I get online, look around, think I find a guy, send the son of a bitch $200, send him my picture. He rips me off. <laughs> you said you're at UK, what? University of Kentucky. Oh, okay. Went. Okay. So dude rips me off and I got really pissed. I, fuckers. Yeah. Scam artists. Scam me. So <laughs> I got really upset and uh, started to look around. Well, back then... The only real avenue you had for online crime was IRC, Internet Relay Chat. Rolling chat board, no idea who you're talking to, if you can trust them, if they've got a product or service, if they've got it, if it works, or if they're just going to rip you off because those channels were loaded full of fucking scammers. So what happens is I first find the only site that was out there was called Counterfeit Library, and it was a tutorial site on degrees. It had some some bullshit identity stuff on there, and it was just some not really good. What year is this? 
This would have been 97, late 97, okay. early 98. So find this site. They had a forum that literally no one was using. I was like the third person that was registered on the forum. So I start going on there, and the only thing I'm doing is just bitching every single day about getting ripped off and how I need this. Well, about the same time that I register, two other guys come on the, on the scene. One is a screen name Mr. X out of Los Angeles. The other one's screen name is Beelzebub out of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. So we start bullshitting around every day. And I, you know, I'm talking about my eBay fraud that I'm doing, everything else like that. And uh, one day, Beelzebub, he gets me on ICQ. That's how we, we, we used to talk all the time was ICQ. He gets me on ICQ, and he's like, you know, I, I can make you a driver's license. I'm like, well, shit, dude, do it. And he's like, no, but I'm going to charge you. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to charge me. He's like, no, I'm going to charge you because if you're going to do this kind of stuff, you've got to learn to trust people if you're going to be in this business. I'm like, well, by that point, I had already established a pretty good rapport with the people who owned Counterfeit Library. They knew me. I was emailing. They were emailing back and forth all the time. So I thought to myself, I was like, well, shit, he's going to rip me off. I can at least get his ass booted off this site. So I was like, bet. Let's let's go. So I sent him a picture, sent him $200. Two weeks later, in the mail, I get this Ohio driver's license from a guy named in the name of Stephen Schwecky. Turns out he's a real dude. Works to this day at ADP Payroll. So... <laughs> I saw that damn thing. Now, looking back at it, that driver's license was not great quality, but I didn't know that. To me, it was the prettiest thing in the freaking world. So yeah. here I am. I'm running checks through check cashing places, setting up accounts, opening drop addresses at mailboxes, et cetera, all this other bullshit. So start using it extensively. And what happened was Beelzebub, he made driver's licenses. Mr. X made a very passable social security card, which was very easy to do. And then I didn't really have any skill at all except eBay fraud. So Beelzebub said, hey, why don't you become the reviewer on this site? That way, any product or service that comes in, you get to look at it, get to see how it's used, learn everything that you need to do. And you're not selling anything, so you're more trusted than somebody like me that would review people. And I was like, let's try that. Well, that is really like the field of dreams for cybercrime. If you build it, they will come. And they did because the only avenue you had other than that was IRC. No one wanted to be on that bullshit. So they started to come on counterfeit library, counterfeit library. So it, the, the genesis of modern cybercrime, three sites, counterfeit library, Carter planet, shadow crew. I ran both counterfeit library and shadow crew. Dmitry Golubov, Ukrainian national builds Carter Planet. And the way that happened was he saw what was happening with uh, Counterfeit Library. He liked that. He was a spammer at that point in time, getting all these credit card details. And he thinks to himself, you know, I wonder if people would buy stolen credit cards. Turns out they will. So the dude picks up the phone, picks up the phone, calls. His, he's in Odessa. He picks up the phone, calls his buddies. They call theirs. They have a physical conference in Odessa. 150 of these cyber criminals show up and they launch the idea of Carter Planet. And that's the genesis of all modern credit theft that we see today. So counterfeit library over, over the next couple of years transitions over to shadow crew. The people who started shadow crew, Seth Sanders built shadow crew, uh, me and Kim Taylor. I was the head of shadow crew. Kim Taylor was a second in charge. Seth was the third, but Seth was just an ID guy. He never really liked the credit game at all. So he ends up kind of dropping out over the years. Uh, the first two guys that started with me. <laughs> lucky him. Yeah, lucky him. The first two guys that started with me, Beelzebub, Mr. X. X gets picked up in Las Vegas, cashing out cards. 
Beelzebub was hooked up with Mark Engel up in Canada, big time pot grower, who then snitches on everybody. So Beelzebub goes back to growing pot in there. And, that, and at the end of the day, I'm the only guy left standing. So at one point in those forums, every single business transaction that took place went through me. That was the, tr I was the trust mechanism. And what I said was, is, hey, if I vouch for someone, if I give someone a review, if you get ripped off, I'll cover you. I'll make sure that you're reimbursed or you get a like product that you can use. So that built trust within those environments. What happens from there is we, we get too big. By the time we actually transition over to Shadow Crew, I can't do it myself. So I sit down and over the space of, you know, a week, I come up with this review system that you still see in place today. So today, you know, we've got reviews, vouchers, escrows, things like that. So are you actually making money doing this? Is just something that's just, it's just, you're no, just I, loving, loving doing it. You enjoy well, it. Well, certainly you love doing it. I right, was, right. I was online uh, anywhere from 14 to 18 hours a day. I made, or I said made, I stole anywhere from twelve to 24000 a month until the credit card scene hits. Once the credit card scene hits, I'm stealing, profiting thirty dollars to $40,000 a month. So I'm doing pretty well. Um, credit, so, so, so Counterfeit Library starts out as an identity theft site. Identity theft, fake driver's licenses, eBay fraud, PayPal fraud, that. Once Dmitry Golubov comes on the scene, I'm the guy that brought the Ukrainians in because they didn't have a way to cash out over in their area. So once credit hits that scene, we transition almost overnight from that identity theft site over to a credit fraud site. And it, it blows up big. And that's where right. we get in a lot of trouble and finally get caught. So what happens is we had this thing called the, uh, the, they call it the CVV1 hack. It's not a hack, but that's what it's called. We were spamming all these details. And back then when you launched a phishing attack, you could have 20 fields. You know, you could ask everything in the friggin' world and they would answer it. So we would get complete identity profiles just from one phishing attack. Right? Because people weren't used to it at that they, time. They'd so never it seen it. a brand new like thing. That. Right. They have so you, no clue what's happening. Yeah. You, you send them an email. It looks like it comes from Bank of America. And they think, oh, and you my say, bank. Yeah. What's your account number? Social, DL, Mother's Maid. And you'd get everything right there. So we were getting card numbers and pins as well. And, and we were using those card numbers to commit CNP fraud. So just online credit fraud. Right. For you to encode that on a counterfeit card, you have to have complete track to data. So on the back of that credit or debit card, the mag stripe there, there are three data tracks. First data track is the customer's name. Second data track, the card number, 16-digit algorithm outside of it. Third data track, indiscriminate data. No one uses it. What's sold is that second track. All right. Now, back then, we didn't have that algorithm. We weren't doing skimming. We were just doing phishing is what we were doing. What we found out, though, like I said, in order for you to encode that and take it to an ATM and cash out, you've got to have complete track, too. Back then, none of the banks had implemented the hash, which means you've got the card number, you've got the pin. You can take the card number, forward slash, and any 16 digits out the side of it, it would encode... You could take it to an ATM, start pulling cash out. We started doing that. So up until that point, a carter doing when was the, what year was this? This would have been up through. So that, that CVV hack went on from 2001 through 0708. It was when it started to really die down. So 2001, none of the banks had implemented that hash. So a, an online carter was profiting a good one was profiting 30 to 40K, and that's working your ass off, okay? 30 to 40K a month is what you'd profit at that point. 
Once that moves over into cashing out at ATMs, that's thirty to 40000 a day. It's just as fast as you can get the money out. As fast as you can pull the cash out. So you'd literally map out a route of ATMs, stand there until you feel bad, and, <laughs> and move on to the next one. Well, my forum techie, fucking genius that he was at the time, and he's and he was he was he was a really bright guy. Albert Gonzalez, he starts he he's, he gets involved in this. We hired the guy as our forum techie. He goes into credit card sales under the screen name Scarface, does all this other bullshit. So he's in New Jersey one day, broad daylight, doing the CBB1 cash out. Broad daylight, standing at an ATM. 40 minutes. 40 minutes standing there, feeding one counterfeit card in, pulling $20 bills out, stuffing them in his backpack. 40 minutes of that. This is in the document. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just so happens, a couple of cops noticed the kid. <laughs> one of them's that's like, odd. Yeah, let, let me go over and ask him what he's doing. So he goes over, Albert falls apart flips goes to work for the secret service now the thing is back then law enforcement suffered from what i like to call fis fucking idiot syndrome all right, all right? they didn't know anything about cybercrime at all didn't know how to track you anything else like that so we would see on the server side for shadow crew we would see ips coming in from dod pentagon fbi <laughs> secret we'd see all these ips so we knew what time it was at the same time you'd see local and state forums law enforcement forums that would mention shadow crew explicitly not only that but we had this kid named enhance so enhance is the guy back in 2001 that publishes paris hilton's phone contact list. I don't know if you remember that bullshit. Or yeah, not. yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. that's this kid. He not only did that, but he intercepted text messages of the United States Secret Service investigating Shadow Crew. So all this was out, and I'm sitting there going, huh, this does not end very well. Now, Albert gets picked up. I had uh, happened upon this thing called tax return identity theft right. right before that, in 2002. Yeah, yeah. The drop. The drop. So 2002, I start stealing $160,000 a week, 10 months out of the year, committing tax return identity theft. Basically filing taxes on dead people, having everything deposited to a prepaid debit card. Did that manually, would file a return every six minutes, do that for three days of the week, fourth day plot a map of ATMs next couple of days, cash out the, uh, the cards. So now this is before there's any, so this is, this is at the infancy of that, that scam, right, which, right, right which at the is beginning. blown up now, right. but wide open, no security in place whatsoever. As a matter of fact, it took the IRS, that was 2002. The IRS actually starts putting security in place 2011. So it took them nine years mm. <laughs> to start looking at IP ranges, velocity of attack, all this other bullshit. So it takes them nine years to do that. Um, I started doing that. Albert, and I, and because I saw the writing on the wall, I was the head of Shadow Crew. I'm sitting there going, and I, whether it was real or not, I was sitting there going, okay, I'm worried about Rico. I'm worried about I'm going to be charged with everything that everyone under me is doing. So I'm like, I quit. Yeah. Deservedly, right. by the way. Like, Deservedly. It's not like they're going to try and get me. They're going to try and pin that on me. No, no. They're going to. That's why guys like you are exactly what, well, <laughs> and to a degree, me, are exactly why they, they that law. That's why yeah. that's there. The uh, um, CCE or, you know, yep. uh, yeah, continued. And they're going to give you 25 or 30 oh, yeah. years. Yeah. They're going to do that. Yeah. So I'm like, I quit. So <laughs> I stepped aside. What keeps me from being arrested on the Shadow Crew bust? So Shadow Crew makes the front cover of Forbes 
August 2004. Headline, who's stealing your identity? October 26, 2004, U.S. Secret Service, 33 people, six countries, six hours. I'm the only guy publicly mentioned as getting away. A few other guys got away, just weren't talked about at that point. Right. right? Um, what keeps me from being caught is I stepped away from Shadow Crew right before Albert Gonzalez comes back in. And here's what that story, the, what, what actually happened was he goes to work for the Secret Service. As I said, Secret Service had no clue about how to track these guys. So right. they literally looked at him. How would you catch these guys? And he was like, well, have you thought about a VPN? And they're like, what's a VPN? So right. he has to explain to him what a VPN is. And they're like, good idea. So I quit. He comes back in, takes over Shadow Crew, bans anyone who asks any questions so that no paranoia is out there, bans everyone and says, hey, in order to be safe, we need all traffic to go through this VPN that I've set up. That way no one can monitor us. Well, the Secret Service owns a VPN. They capture like $7 million worth of traffic coming through, and that's where the bust comes from. So the bust is October 26, 2004. I'm picked up February 8, 2005. Can I, I, I let me uh, interject here? So when you're watching these guys get cracked in the head and there's a there's an article here, a newspaper <laughs> article here, a newspaper article here, like you're seeing all this kind of circling around you are like, how are you feeling at that point? Are you thinking I'm good? I'm going to be good? Oh, no. OK, no. Oh, no. So so what happens is I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm going through I'm going through the shit on my own on a personal life. I was married for nine years. My wife, I lied to her all nine. I mean, right. took her three years to find out I was a crook. The next six years were literally this story right here. I'm going to stop. I will stop. She's trying to wrangle you in like, <laughs> exactly. if I could just get this guy. It's like just a little while longer, dear, until finally it became me looking at her and saying, hey, you like spending money, don't you? I use that one a lot. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Where do you think this money comes from? Where do you from? think it comes from? You knew what you were getting into. So she leaves me. And uh, so my, my mindset Mix my dad and mix my mom. My mom, criminal mindset. My dad, that fear of the loved ones leaving. So my first wife, Susan, leaves. I go through this depression, get suicidal, everything else. Roaming around the house in Charleston, South Carolina. I had a house on the river, everything. So roaming around the house. Realize I'm getting suicidal. Figure, hell, I need to do something about that. Pick up the phone book, call a psychologist, cry to the psychologist on the on the phone. I mean, I broke down completely. She's like, come in today. So I go in, tell her everything. She's like, for four months, tell her everything. For four months, I'm like, do you have to report anything that I might tell you? As long as you're not actively breaking the law. I'm like, okay. So tell her everything. She's like, for four months, she's preaching about how I need to go into real estate and not crime. And I'm like, is there a difference between the two? <laughs> so what happens is... I don't start drinking until I'm 34. I was 34 at that point. I don't, I didn't never drank until that point. So I start drinking, had never been to a strip club. One night I get lonely, I get horny and I'm like, shit, why not? So I go to a strip club and I'm literally that guy. I am that guy, dude, that falls in love with the first one that he sees. I walk in, she's, she walks by. I'm like, that's the one I need. Move this chick in with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Move this, move this chick in with me. After I move her in with me, find out she's addicted to coke. Not only, and you know, now, you, now I know all this bullshit. Not only is she addicted to coke, but she's prostituting herself to support her habit. And you know, I laugh about it, but the truth of the matter is, I love the shit out of that woman. I did. I absolutely adored that woman. Um, 
and I get it in my head. I was like, you know, if I can fix her, we'll be together. You know, I was, keep feeding myself these tales. So I, I used to take road trips for a lot of the fraud. It gets to the point where she stops coke, quits her job, and she gets this, you know, just dependent, codependent personality. Don't leave me yeah. attitude. So I can't take a road trip anymore. I slowly, I've got all my money overseas, go broke. All right. So where I find out about Shadow Crew, I'm in the grocery store one day, happened just happened to walk past the magazine aisle, and I I see this article about identity theft on the cover, and I'm like, huh, might be a good article. <laughs> so I open it up, and it's like Shadow Crew, and I'm like, oh fuck. So <laughs> go sign on to Shadow Crew at that point under a different name, and the response on Shadow Crew was it was initially this. Fuck yeah, we've made it. Followed almost immediately by a, oh, this ain't good. Yeah. So that was the response. Um, of course, four months later, August, uh, two months later, Shadow Crew gets popped. Okay. So the day that Shadow Crew gets popped, by that point, I'm monitoring Shadow Crew because I know something's going to go. All right. So I'm monitoring Shadow Crew almost every day. So go to sign in. And of course, the Secret Service has altered the face of the website, saying, you know, you're no longer in the shadows. They've got to, they've changed the screen on it. Uh, you could still access the site at that point. And there were a couple of other sites by that point had, that had been set up. So I'm going over to these other sites to see what the news is. And no one really knew at that point what had happened. Of course, uh, John Ashcroft, the, um, the head uh, legal guy in the U.S. at that point, attorney general, at that point, he comes on CNN and he's talking about Shadow Crew. So I'm sitting there watching all day and I'm like, shit. God. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm just a fucking all, just a country boy. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm I from do. Kentucky. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. I'm the only guy that was publicly mentioned as getting away. The other guys. Well, not, got, not you, but your, 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 like your screen right, name, right? The screen name. Okay. The okay. screen name. Gollum's the only one that got away from that. Okay. What no one else knew. There were other guys that got out. Uh, for example, the Secret Service, literally in the air, they timed everything for like a Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern is when the bust happened. Because that's when most people were online. At that. They wanted to get everyone at the same time. Some of the guys that got away, one of them was named Tron. And this kid was over in the Ukraine. And he was very effective about getting into Bank of America. Very effective. So um, they were in the air to arrest him. They called the local PD in the Ukraine saying, hey, we got a warrant. We're coming down to arrest him. Local PD is like, oh, yeah, come on down and get him. So they get in the car before the Secret Service gets there. They get in the car, go to this kid and say, hey, they're coming to get you. Yeah. We're going back to the station. And the kid takes off on the run, gets his ass down in South America, and he's a few years getting caught at that point. But uh, there were different guys who got away that weren't mentioned. I was the only guy. They pick me up four months later, February 8th of 05, Charleston, South Carolina. FBI picks me up, Charleston PD. Within 45 minutes, Secret Service comes in, takes over the investigation. Uh, what happened was is I was being interviewed, 45 minutes in the interview, Door opens up, two agents pop in, they sit down and they're like, well, you know, we're U.S. Secret Service. We'd like to talk to you about some credit cards. And I'm like, fuck. So they let me sit in the county jail for a week. Okay, wait, wait a second. Sorry. I, 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 maybe I missed something. How did they get to you, though? Exactly. Did, I, did so, you just explain that? No, no, I didn't. Okay, I'm so sorry. So what I, happens is I go through, I was... I like, was, were you one of the guys that went through the VPN that was set up by... No, oh, okay. I, I, was, I was in love with a stripper. Right. All okay. right. I go through all my stateside cash. Like I hear you. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Right. You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. Okay. So <laughs> go through all my stateside cash. Can't get over to Latvia to get the rest of it. 
So when when Shadow Crew is busted, the way tax season ran, it ran from January 15th through October 15th. The bust is October 26th. So I'm not filing taxes to get any more money. I can't run credit cards because the forums just got shut down. I don't know who to trust anymore. So what I'm left with is running counterfeit cashier's checks. Bam, bam, bam. Looking for uh, COD orders, cashing out bullion, stuff like that. Of course, that's the go-to move. Of course, and it's stupid as fuck, all right? Because <laughs> I used to preach that. I was like, don't do this shit. You're going to go to prison. So what happens is they identify that some guy in Charleston, South Carolina is doing this. They reference the forums. They're like, oh, it's this guy. So they set up a controlled delivery. They knew I was uh, cashing out Tiffany diamonds at that point. So they uh, set up a controlled delivery for these, like, like it's like a $30,000 order for Tiffany uh, engagement ring. Not engagement, wedding bands of all things. But um, FBI does that with controlled delivery. Charleston PD does that. Secret Service had been notified I was going to be picked up. So they were all ready to go. So they pick me up on this controlled delivery. What happens is UPS driver pulls in. I had a drop address. UPS driver pulls in. I, I pop out of the car, walk up, and I was like, you got a package for me, don't you? And like, yeah, you got an ID? I was like, yeah, show him my ID. Give him a counterfeit cashier's check for 30K. Turn around. 30 people in the fucking parking lot. All cops. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so get popped there. I got popped February 8th, three weeks before I was scheduled to be married. My stripper girlfriend had no idea what I did for a living. So she finds out at that point. They let me sit in a county jail for a week. Two agents fly in from New Jersey because that's where Albert was arrested. The, every, the centralized location for all cybercrime investigations was out of New Jersey at that point. So two agents fly in from New Jersey, pull me out of a cell, and they're like, we got your laptop. I'm like, yeah, you got anything on your laptop? Yeah, well, you're going to be charged for it. I figured. And then they looked at me. They're like, anything you can do for us. And my exact response was, you let me get back with Elizabeth. I'll do whatever you want me to do. So then they're like, we're going to get you out. I'm like, good. They let me sit there 90 days to get a taste of everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Got to get a taste of it. So they pop me out after 90 days. First person I call. By this point, my sister is, has disowned me and everything. First person I call is Elizabeth. And I'm out. And she's like, I'll be there. So this chick, midnight, I'm standing in the parking lot of the uh, uh, Charleston County Detention Center. This chick pulls up in a limousine. No shit. She had a friend on, on limousine company. She pulls up in a limousine. Me and the agent are watching this. Trunk pops open. She gets out, walks around to the trunk, gets out these two plastic storage containers that have my clothes in them. Comes over, drops the clothes in front of me, hugs me. Call me later, gets in the car, drives away. I'm sitting there crying. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I thought she's like there, like, oh, come no, on in, baby. No. I'm sitting there crying. Agent looks at me. He's like, is that your fiance? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, I am so sorry. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I had $30 to my name. The agent has to pay for my hotel room that night and pay for my food that night. So he checks me in. Soon as he leaves, I've got $30. I'm like, time to start. So walk my ass to Walmart, buy a prepaid debit card that night so I can get back into tax return identity theft. And uh, long story short is I continue. Well, I, so the 90 days, the 90 days wasn't a it good enough a taste. Not no. a thing. Okay. So I call Elizabeth. I beg her to get back with me. She does start breaking the law, break the law from 10 for the next 10 months from inside Secret Service offices with them in the room with me. 
So, yeah, until they find out about it, <laughs> at that point, they revoke the bond, judge reinstates the bond. I go on a cross-country crime spree, still $600,000 in four months, make the United States most wanted list, go to Disney World, get caught, get arrested, escape from prison, get caught again, serve out my time. So how is the escape from prison? Is that uh, a camp? You it, went to a it, camp? It was a camp. You know, right. I liked it to be a helicopter, a gunfight, that kind of shit. But it's always a camp, right? Yeah. So my dad had. Uh, yeah, because I've been in mediums and lows and you're just not getting out. Like, it's like, unless well, you it's know, a you helicopter. say that, man. They sent me to Big Spring Prison after that. And uh, the week before I got there, these three friggin' idiots, they had, I guess they'd got some dental floss or whatever the fuck they'd got. And they had cut the bars from the culverts that led out of the prison, had climbed through the culverts, got outside of the fence, and they were supposed to have a ride, didn't have a ride. They're like, well, we need to go back in and call. <laughs> they get caught coming in? Yeah, yeah. Caught, caught coming back in. So you can get out. But the way I escaped, my dad, I hadn't seen the man, hadn't had a conversation with him in like 20 years. He shows up at my sentencing, stands up in front of the judge. I want to make sure Brett gets a good start. He can come and live with me when he gets out, everything else. How much time did you get? Uh, initially, 75 months. Okay. Okay. So, got <laughs> Jesus, that thing. My, my guidelines were 60 to 75. And I had uh, told everyone in the pod, and I made it known that if I got any more than 60, I was not staying. So, day of the so, they, so, so the counselors and every and SIS everybody, everybody already knows this. No, he's is, not yeah. staying. No. So what happens is day of sentencing. Dean Eichelberger was the uh, was a prosecutor. He stands up and this dude is screaming at this point. He's like Johnson has manipulated the Secret Service, the prosecutor, and today Your Honor, we want the upper limits of the guidelines. I'm sitting there going. So, <laughs> judge looks at me and she's like, I agree, seventy five months. Well. I'd never used drugs before. I got arrested in Orlando. Guy in Orlando takes me in under his wing. He's like, you know, the only time you get off is the RDAP. RDAP. And I was like, well, I don't have a drug problem. He's like, well, you can find a drug problem, can't you? And I was like, I can find a drug problem. Yeah. So they give me diesel therapy on the way back, stop at all these county jails. Every county jail, I'm like, cocaine and alcohol. Get to back to Columbia, South Carolina. I get a psychological evaluation order. Psychologist comes in, four-hour evaluation. About halfway through, he's like, you use any type of drugs? I'm like, yeah. What do you use? Cocaine? Smoke or snort? Snort? How much? An eight ball a day. He looks at me. He's like, that's a lot. And I was like, yeah. You got any trouble out of that? Yeah, I can't get an erection. And he looks at me. And I looked at him. And I, and I got that shit from watching Boogie Nights, that money shot at the end where Mark Wahlberg just can't stand to attention. I'm like, that's got to be right. So I'm looking at the psychologist. And finally, we're both silent. And I'm like, is that right? right. <laughs> he, he looks at me. He's like, it could happen. Is it still happening? And I was like, no, but not that I want it to be all right right now. <laughs> so that makes it into my pre-sentence report. So the judge, she gives me 75 months. I looked at my lawyer. I was like, um, can you get the drug program for me? So he's like, I don't know. I'll ask. So he stands up. Your Honor, will you order the drug program for Mr. Johnson? She's like, she's like, no, but I'll recommend he gets evaluated. I looked at my lawyer. I was like, what does that mean? Well, you're probably not going to get it. And my exact words were like, how soon can you get me to the camp? And he's like, if you don't appeal, I can get you there pretty quick. Exact words. Fuck the appeal. Right. Get me to the camp. I'll take it from there. 
He looks at me like I'm the biggest idiot in the world. Six weeks later, I'm at Ashland, Kentucky. I had had family and friends research camps that weren't supposed to have a fence. Get to Ashland, 14-foot fence, mm. razor wire on top. And I'm like, shit. Go in through processing, look at the guard. And I'm like, any jobs outside of the fence? And he's like, well, you can work in the National Forest. And I'm like, no, I'll die out there. And he's like, well, you can do landscaping. I'm like, I can run a weed eater. So I go into uh, about a week later, you know, once you, you process through and go through all that bullshit, walk into the guard's office. Behind his desk, the entire wall is this aerial photo of the compound blown up with the outlying area. So I can literally sit there, plot the escape <laughs> as I'm talking to him. My dad starts to visit. About the third visit in, he's like, you know, I've been reading about you online. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. He's like, that's a lot of money you made. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you think you can teach somebody how to do that? And when I used to tell that story, I started out lying. I said that, you know, I thought my dad was back in my life and he wasn't. The truth of the matter was my dad hadn't talked to me in 20 some years. He, and I really believe that he saw me through the frame of my mom, that criminal mindset. And I think that's the only way he thought he could talk to me like that. And I manipulated the man and helped me escape. He had $4,000 cash to his name, got that, got an ID, a change of clothes and a cell phone and, um, ran off. I was there at the camp for six weeks, left U.S. Marshals. They canvass a three-state area, find me holed up in a hotel, and I get another. So sentencing on that. Spent eight months in solitary. A day of sentencing. Go in. Secret Service is there. Prosecutor's there. Prosecutor stands up, and he's like, Your Honor, you should consider that when Mr. Johnson was arrested, he was arrested with a laptop, prepaid debit cards, he stole an identity information. Looks like he was involved in this stuff yet again. Judge looks at him and says, no, if you're going to charge him with it, you should have charged him with it because it comes, come to find out they came in the room, took the shit without a warrant, just scarfed it all up. Didn't, weren't able to use that as evidence. So the judge says, no, because the escape happened so quickly after the initial sentencing, they use the exact same PSR. So the judge starts going through the PSR, looks at me, and he's like, Mr. Johnson, it appears that before you got involved with all these drugs, you were a pretty good citizen. I was like, yes, your honor. <laughs> yes, I was. Yes, sir. So then he looks at me, he's like, so what I'm going to do. You need RDAP. Yeah. <laughs> you need RDAP. Like, I do need RDAP. <laughs> what he does is he's like, I'm going to give you 15 months on the escape. I'm like, okay. And I'm going to order the drug program for you. I'm like. All right. Yeah. So 15 months extra, but RDAP gives you what? 18 months with that six months halfway yeah. out. So I ended up by escaping prison. I got out of prison three months earlier than I would have without the escape. <laughs> he once got plastic surgery because he didn't like the photo on his wanted poster. His legend precedes him. The way indictments precede arrests. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crime, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. <sighs> so that's what happens. But like I said, I did uh, eight months solitary confinement until they sent me to Big Spring Prison. Uh, Big Spring Prison is out in West Texas. It's a uh, disciplinary, medium-low, um, converted Air Force compound. So hot, no shit, Matt. So hot that warnings would come on the radio telling you that you couldn't drive on certain streets because the asphalt was melted. It got that hot there. Went in, and uh, you know, at a camp, it's completely different. Completely different. And uh, when I got there, that's when you realize that 
guards don't run things. Yeah. The inmates run the shit that's going on there. So I met at the, as I get processed out, going up to the barracks, treasurer of the Aryan Brotherhood, he's standing there. I'm the first white guy who walks up and he's like, hey, how many more white guys came in? I'm like, shit, I don't know, four or five. Next question, what are you in here for? My answer, computer crime. Big smile on my face. He looks at me like, <laughs> thinking, yeah, I thought you were a child. Yeah, yeah. So he goes against his buddies because they thought I was a child molester. They circle around. What did you say you're in here for? So I'm sitting there trying to tell them this shit. And at end of the day, they're like, sounds good. Going to need to see something. Yeah. You need to see something. Well, by that point, nobody's letting you travel with bullshit. All right. All right. So first 30 days, everyone thinks I'm this child molester. Until Wired, Wired Magazine hits the compound, I'm in the magazine. Right. It's about Max Butler, all this other bullshit. I'm in the magazine. I'm like, shit, I'm, I'm I've read good. the article there when you I go. was locked up. There you go. I'm like, shit, I'm good to go. Until I get to that one line that says, Brett Johnson, comma, Secret Service Informant. Mm. So those magazines hit the compound at 4 o'clock mail call. Chow call, they're already talking about it in the hall. So next morning, the entire compound gets shut down. Brett Johnson, warden's office. So I go in. They've got SIS there. Got is this the, at a medium? This is at Big Spring Disciplinary. So it's a medium-low discipline okay. is what it is. So um, Warden brings me in. First question's out of his mouth. SIS counselors are there. First question is, did you give an interview to Wired Magazine? I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> he mm. was like, when? At Oklahoma Detention? <laughs> Without going through the uh, the public, uh, yeah. what do they call yeah. it, the public information exactly. officer? Exactly. Yeah. How did you do that in 15 minute increments, sir? Yeah. So he was like, he was like, don't you know they'll fucking kill you in here? I was like, maybe. So, so then he's like, do you feel safe? And, you know, I knew by that point you tell him, no, they're going to throw you back in the hole mm-hmm. until they transfer your ass. Yeah. So I'm like, completely safe. Yeah. So he looks at me. He's like, he's like, if you, anything happens, anyone says anything to you, you need to come and tell us. I was like, gotcha. They do a locker search, try to get all the magazines off the compound. A couple of days later, I walk into the barracks. There's Nick Sanderford, the treasurer. He's got the magazine reading it. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so I walked up to him. I'm like, hey, Nick, what you doing? Oh, just doing some reading. Anything interesting? It's getting there. Let me save you the trouble. Take the magazine, point the line out to him. He looks at me. He's like, man, I already knew. I was like, are we going to have a problem? He's like, did you snitch on anybody that's on this compound? I was like, no. Until someone gets here, you told on, we're going to be okay. I was like, all right. But... Had a couple of jobs I had to do. So the first job I got, uh, uh, you know, you have to work in feds. So I got a job in education, teaching a lit class. All the Aryans sign up for the lit class. And we taught fraud every Wednesday, 6 to 8, 30 p.m. <laughs> so that was the first, first job. And then I was, you could call me the liaison between the white chomos and the, the Aryans. So I would be the guy that as they come off the bus, you know as well as I do, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. As they come off the bus, I would be the guy that would have that conversation. Hey, don't know if you're in here on some sort of fucked up charge, but if you are, it's best you tell me because if you associate with these guys later on, they will fucking kill you. Yeah, they're just going to swing on you. <laughs> That's it. Right. So, and most of the time it would be, man, I just want to do my time. And you knew. You knew at that point, okay, you're not allowed in the TV room. Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to talk to anybody. You talk to your own kind. Somebody wants to extort you. <laughs> that's that's the way this yeah. shit goes. You're on your own. You're on yeah. your own and understand. And that's uh, I used that's to how get, I got out. You know what's funny? I used to get the guys that the all all 
the shows when they would just ask them what they're there for fraud yeah which used to irritate yeah. me yeah. because i would i would be like you know you can't pick another fucking no you can't pick another crime it's got to be fraud. fraud and then of course then so what would happen is some guy would come in the unit <laughs> some white it'd be some you know white guy fucked up looking white dude and he'd say oh i'm, I'm here for uh for a credit card fraud <laughs> go, and then they'd come to then the guys would come to me they go cox and i go yeah, yeah. they go go talk to this guy and yeah. i go why says he's here for fraud he don't look right to me and i'd look over at him and i'd go fuck yeah i'd walk over and i'd go hey bro what's going on I heard you're here for fraud and he'd be like yeah i'm here for fraud and i'd go oh, okay like what kind of fraud credit card fraud i go well they charge you with credit card fraud yeah they charge me with credit yeah, card that, fraud that's well, the charge right yeah well mm. there's no credit card fraud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and i was like okay well what'd you do and they go you know I, I took money out of credit cards well did you work at a bank did you like how did the fraud work i'm here for fraud too and they go um well, I, 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 it's not like a learning experience. And I go, oh, okay, he's a chill. <laughs> he's a, he's and then I just walk off and I'm like. So you had that basic same job. Yeah. Oh, well. Because yeah. well, you're a fraudster. And I taught the real estate class mm. for 10 years. Now, at the medium. Now, when you taught the real estate okay. class. So at the medium, <laughs> when I was at the medium, you could, you could say anything. Yeah. You could yeah. say, look, here's how, you know. So you get the money, the down payment. So what you do is this, this, the guy gives you money back, start a company and you get the money back here. Like I'd break it down for exactly yeah. how to get your down payment back, how to do everything. You get to camp, you can't pull that bullshit. No, yeah, right. you, you can once. Right. <laughs> like then you get the talk. That's the, it. Are you telling people how to do things yeah. fraudulently? <laughs> no, someone said that. That's crazy. Who would do that? do that? I'm in here for fraud. I would never. never. So. Um, then I realized like, fuck, I'm going to have to really yeah. fine tune my class here. Um, and so I did that, taught GED uh, also. You know, yeah, I you taught know, game theory, public speaking, and then the lit class. Right. So you, you do the things that the, the sharp guys do that give you credibility, that make you an important person of value. That's what it is. And then nobody bothers you. If you have value, you're absolutely right. If you have value in that system, yes. you're okay. Yeah. If you don't. You can do pretty much anything. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, because what happened with me was I was in the medium. And the St. Petersburg Times came out. Now, now keep in mind, the St. Pete Times, I'd already been on Dateline. But when I was on Dateline, I, I had just been arrested. Okay. So I haven't taught, even done anything yet. Right. I was interviewed later, but I'm not cooperative. I'm not doing anything right. when I get first grabbed. But then what happens is once I get sentenced, get to the uh, medium, I'm at the medium, and suddenly uh, um, St. Petersburg Times comes out, front page article where I've been talking with a reporter about a politician that I had had, oh, had bribed and that's what to do in it yeah and in it it talks about how I cooperated with the FBI and the secret <laughs> service for like 7 or 8 days where I mean, this is my lawyer saying that oh he cooperated more than anybody I've ever had in 15 years I'm like wow don't hold back he just sang and sang he wanted to work some more with him I, desperately <laughs> Straight to the fucking shoe for 45 days. I'm telling him, look, I'm fine. I'm fine. Put me back out. Because they're not going to do anything to you. No, no. The worst that happened was I had a guy come up to me and say, one of the white guys comes up to me. He goes, hey, Cox. I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he goes, he goes look, uh, what was the guy's name? It's Bubba. Bubba was the guy who ran. He was a shot caller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, so he goes, he goes, Bubba wanted to let you know, uh, wanted me to tell you, you can't walk the yard. And I went, what? <laughs> you can't walk the yard. And I went, and I thought, and I already kind of come to my conclusion that like, I was like, either I'm going to, one, there was two, multiple things. One, shut my, because I got a slick mouth. Right. So I'm going to shut You're my mouth. You're not going to shut up. Right. I'm not going right. to shut up for 20 something years. Right. So you shut your mouth for 20 years or you just run your mouth 
and say smart ass shit, and you're going to get slapped every once in a while. I'm right. five foot six. I'm not beating the shit out of some six right. foot tall b- biker. So you're going to get slapped every once in a while, but you're going to have a good time. Right. Um, and two, you're either going to get beat, you know, guys are going to beat you up or you're going to spend all your time in the fucking shoe. So you know what? I'm just going to get beat up every once in a while. So I looked at him and I said, well, listen, bro, I'm going to be out at the yard tonight after chow. So if Bubba wants to talk about it, he can talk about it then. And I walk off trembling. Sure. Sure you do. I go get my cousin who happened to be there. And uh, uh, we get a couple other guys and we go and we walk the track for about an hour and they see me. But nothing happens. But they say nothing. Right. And that was like there was one other small episode where he told a, a guy that was talking to me in line. That guy's a confidential informant. He didn't right. even call me a, la- a a rat, which I appreciated. That was nice, you know. <laughs> didn't say snitch. I was called the rat. Said confidential informant. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was very. That was you know was very, um, you know, uh, nice of Bubba. And told the guy, you know, you you keep talking to him. You ever need our help? First, you're not gonna need his help. But you ever need his help? You won't. You can't rely on us. So the guy goes, okay, Bubba, and right walked like ten people back. I'm like, that was pretty much it. Like, yeah. I never really had a problem. You yeah, get the my, uh, comments, but that's it. Yeah, my problem uh, uh, with the Aryans, there was this one kid who was who was trouble with them anyway. His name was Adam, and he was the only one. He'd catch me in a crowd, and he'd just start running his fucking mouth, you know, trying to get somebody to, to get me. And um, so one day, we're all in the unit together, and we used to, you know, we'd bullshit together. I'd, I'd bullshit around with the Aryans. And um, Adam was running his mouth, and I looked at him. I was like, Adam, I want you to know I'm getting scared of you. And he looks at me, he's like, good. And I was like, well, the way this is going to work out is you're going to be asleep one night. And I'm going to stab a pencil in your eye. And he looks at me and he's like, tell you the truth, man. So the next day they make his ass check in. <laughs> he's causing problems. You know, they, they don't want problems. They don't want problems. Like, you get in a routine and your time's going good and you know, they don't want any problems. Yeah. So, uh, and, and the head guy there, his name was Farmer, big fucking Nebraska boy. I mean, huge dude. And, uh. I still remember, man, this, this, this guy, he was talking about, uh, I, I'm sure you saw it too. You take the domino, right? And you'd shave the domino down. Oh, Are you serious? You know, look, look, you know, Bozak knows that we talked about that the other day. And they fucking cut the, and cut the put, penis, oh, shove the domino in there, pack it with ointment. And it would heal up. So that was the first thing to get the dude did. And we're like, shit, we ain't doing that. So he comes in one day, he'd been talking about getting a tattoo. And he wanted the Punisher symbol right on the head of it. So we're like, you're not going to do that, dude. No one's going to be pretty close. Yeah, we're like, no one's going to do that. (laughs) So he comes in one day and he's like, got it done. And we're like, no. And he's like, anybody want to see? And all of us at the same time, fuck yeah, we want to (laughs) see. So we're we're gathered around. He he drops it and is like, that is the Punisher symbol. (laughs) So, yeah. Oh man! You know, it's, and that's the thing. I mean, it's uh, you're right. You can you can you can shut your mouth, or you and you know I talk a lot too. You can shut your mouth, or you can just be you. And as long as you got you got value, not every day is horrible. Yeah, I found I found happiness and had fun every friggin' day while being scared to death sometimes. Yeah, how, how yeah. I'm no, I get it. Um, how much time did you do total? Seven and a half. Seven and, and a half years. You did what? Twenty. No, I did 13. 13. I did 13. That's the hell of a taste. Yeah, but I got 26 and four months. So, you know, it wasn't game time. <laughs> no, it, no, it was, it was not. It was, yeah. It, did you it, go initially to a max or a medium? No, or I, so, you know, first of all, I, I went in with camp points. Right. Even though I was on the run, like I never right. got an escape or anything. So I was on the run. I got, I had like two, I had like. Two, uh, two points. Okay. Two, you know, I should have gone straight to a camp. But you got 26 years. Right. Can't, you know, unless you're under 20, you got to go right. to a medium. Go to a medium. I'm there three years. 
because you have to do 23. Mm-hmm. Then I go str- then I go to the low. Okay. Um, but I cooperated. The problem is in the cooperation, it was at the beginning of the financial crisis. So they were like, look, these crimes are three, four, five years old. We've got him for the for the la- the stuff he did. And these other people, like, fuck, we got banks that are going under for, yeah. you know, 800 million or a, yeah. you know, half a billion dollars. Like, these are bigger crimes. And so they just never really went back and, and grabbed these people right. that I had cooperated right. against. Well, so now I'm screwed, right? Like, right. I've been locked up. Uh, then, this, then, then what ended up happening was that I had been asked to do Dateline, NBC. I'd okay. been a- to be interviewed. I was interviewed. Uh, they said they'd, kept, they'd consider it substantial assistance. Well, okay. the U.S. attorney said, we did consider it. It's not. So, th- oh, no, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. Then, then um, uh, American Greed comes to me. They right. come to my lawyer, code, the U.S. attorney. U.S. attorney says, look, I want him to be interviewed. I will definitely consider this substantial assistance. Great. I do it. I, I'm brought into the to the warden's office for two days of interviews. They they have my me on there. They run the program. Right. We go back. We say, okay, you said you'd consider substantial assistance. She goes, I know we did. It's just not enough. I'm sorry. Then I have this guy that runs the National Mortgage Brokers like education program mm-hmm. in the United States. And all mortgage brokers have to do three hours of ethics and fraud. So he comes to me. He says, you actually owned a mortgage company. You were a FHA lender. You were the, like, you're the only person that's hit every sure. crime on the mortgage spectrum. And you were a broker and a loan officer i mean uh, you owned a company mortgage company could you help me write this course i said yeah he flies i said you got to get go to the u.s attorney flies to atlanta gets on paper <laughs> i do the course they start using the course we go back to them and we say you said you consider substantial assistance she goes it's just it's just not jesus enough. dude i know so finally i have i end up getting a guy who files a, a 2255 for me mm-hmm. um and we go back and forth, back and forth, and eventually the government offers me one level off my sentence. But they will allow me to go in front of the judge and argue for more. Okay. They fly me up there. I argue for more. I get three levels off. That ends up being seven years. Now, did you plea out or to go to trial? Oh, I plead. Yeah, okay. Super right. guilty. Right. So did you get the three points of that for the plea yeah, or not? Yeah, I did. Okay. Still in it, what, 26 years? Jesus, man. Okay. So I get seven years off my sentence. Then I come back. I'm at the low. I come back. I'm walking around the compound. And there's a guy on the compound who did a $57 million Ponzi scheme. <laughs> and he, he he likes me. He's cooperating. Of course he does. Like, I'm openly telling people. They're like, hey, Cox, so how much time how much time you got? I'm like, well, I got 26 years. But somebody might fuck up and tell me where there's body buried. And I'll be out of here next week. Right. And they would go. They'd look at me and say, damn, it's like that, Cox. I yeah. go, it's exactly yeah. like that, bro. It's like, exactly we're not like friends. Yeah. I don't care what happens to any of these fuckers. Right, exactly. And they're like, Jesus. We're not breaking bread right. when we get out. We're and now I'm at that. the low. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could be pretty cocky exactly. at the you could low. Be, you could run your mouth. So, so I'm walking around with this guy. And um, just uh, just a, a vicious character all the way around. Really reminded me of my dad. <laughs> um, he liked me. He was cooperating with some other guys. We're walking around one day. And I'm, he's telling me, man, they're not going to give me anything for my cooperation. I go, why do you say that? You, have, you know, you might testify. Who knows? And he goes, yeah, I know. I just don't think so. He goes, they think I hid Ponzi scheme money. And I go, well, you didn't. So don't worry about it. Right. And months and months go by. He mentions it a couple of times. So finally, one day I look at him and I go, I go, bro. I said, you keep mentioning that you hit that they think you hid Ponzi scheme money. I said, if you didn't, they won't find it. So don't worry about it. But and he did. 
And he looked at me and he goes, <laughs> he goes, can I trust you? And no. I went, I, 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 I said, probably not. And he started no. laughing and he goes, I did put some money away. <laughs> and I thought, oh, you're, you're fucking up. So he, he ends up telling me a little bit of the money. But he, this guy got like, my brother got like 30 grand. My ex-wife or soon to be ex-wife got like 150. I'm afraid sure. they're going to turn it in. And I, you know, cause, cause um, my ex-wife found out I was having an affair, you know, blah, blah. My brother's just scared. They do tend to frown on that. Yeah. So what ends up happening is I don't actually say anything. I'm actually disappointed in myself because I waited months, <laughs> months before I happened to be talking to my lawyer. And everybody's like, dang, bro, so you really struggled. No. My struggle was I didn't say anything because I thought they're not, they didn't want to give me anything the first time. Right. right. Not Why gonna, would I not, tell? And... Right, it's not going to work. Be yeah. worth it? Yeah. Um, and so it just happened. I was talking to my lawyer. She said, hey, everything going on? What's going on? I was like, nothing. And she happened to say, this is a woman who never wanted to help me. She it was a weird thing. She goes. She said, anything going on in there? And I went, like, you didn't give a fuck when you were representing me. I was like, no, not really. And she has nothing that you want to talk about. I thought that was just, it was just weird. And I went, well, well you know what? There's a guy in here named Ron Wilson. And I tell her a week later, I get called into SIS. They put me on the phone with a uh, secret service agent. I get him on my email. I start uh, telling him what's going on with Wilson. He starts asking me to ask, ask him this, ask him this, ask him no this. No shit. Oh yeah. This goes on for six months. And he's asking me questions. Some of the questions I'm going back like, bro, you want to get me killed? Yeah. Like I can't, how am I going to bring that up? Right. I mean, I've never even heard of this person. So anyway, I work with them. Eventually they file for, you know, they reindict Wilson. They indict the brother, the sister. They get one. They both basically get, they get probation. Right. He gets six more months. And I think that, but they recover half a million dollars. Okay. And I think they're never going to give me nothing for that. So I end up, they, they never do. They say, we don't, they even said, we don't even know what Mr. Cox is talking about. We didn't know. He, we don't have no idea that he's even working with the U.S. attorney. I mean, working with the Secret Service. Anyway, the point is I had a, an actual email from them. So I sent them the email. I had multiple emails. So I sent them the email. I hired that the same guy, this guy, lawyer. Uh, ends up uh, representing me again. He's in prison with me. Was okay. in prison. I end up getting my sentence. He gets my sentence reduced again five more years. By the time that hits, <laughs> I'm gone. Like a, like a year and a half later, I walk out of prison. I mean, and, and listen, it was, and when that one hit, too, same thing. Listen, everybody knows I'm cooperating. Right. Everybody. Right. And, and I'm just, you know, you're either, it's it, it just, to me, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, I get into, I get guys that are like, oh, you fucking snitch. Okay. Well, you be a stand up guy and do 20 fucking six You're years. You're not going to do that. Oh, I never said nothing. I never said, I understand that you got a DUI and you did fucking 10 days, or I understand you got fucked up and you went to jail for 18 months. Okay. Right. But you weren't looking at 26 fucking right. years and you don't fucking know me. And first of all, I, I never thought I could get 26 years. That's insane. It is. It's crazy. For filling and you out paperwork. Out at 26. Right. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's like, look, bro, I'm, Filling out paperwork. I didn't right. break into someone's house. Right. I didn't. I'm not carjacking people. Meanwhile, you got the child porn guy doing ten. Huh? If that, you got the child porn guy doing oh, oh, ten. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You've got you got to me bank robbers that are zip tying people yeah. and taking over banks and getting away with granted no money, but right. you're terrifying people and they're getting six years, That's it. seven years. That's it. So you got out when? I got in 2009, uh, July 2019. All right, so. Now, when I got out, I was in three years of probation, couldn't touch a computer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Had job offers from Deloitte, from No Before, payment processors. Actually had offers and uh, wasn't allowed to take them. Got to where I was trying for fast food. Well, that cash register, that's a computer. No. Next thing was 
What about a waiter's position? Computer and credit cards? Fuck no. So couldn't get a job. So what kind of trouble did you have trying to get a job? And I'll tell you what happened to me after that. I mean, my judgment commitment, you know, um, says that I cannot work or consult in (laughs) in, in in finance, real estate, development, or construction for some reason. Um, And so... So you can't even consult. No, I had to take... for, For one year, I had to take... Um, a behavior modification class where you meet with a psychiatrist once, uh, you know, once, uh, one hour a week. Right. Uh, of course, I have the financial where I have to fill out the form, but I also have to fill out paperwork every month to tell them how much money came in to come up with my restitution. I right. still owe like six right. million. Okay. I'm good for it. Yeah, I know you are. Um, <laughs> so have they charged that off? We're just going to take your tax returns for the rest of your life. Oh yeah. No, yeah, no, me they, too. they're going to take them forever. Yeah. Um, but I, other than, you know, obviously I can't. I have to do the piss test and I can't travel or do anything like that. Although I have traveled, I just had to get permission from the court. Okay. Um, had to get my passport back. Now keep in mind, two of my charges are passport fraud and, uh, well, one was fraudulent application of a passport and one is actually use of a fraudulent. So you filed one under someone else's name for renewal oh, or no, something? No, I had like 24 passports. Nice. I had two dozen passports. Nice. I say that. I shouldn't say that, but still, that's pretty fucking nice. nice. pretty good, right? <laughs> 20, 27 <laughs> driver's licenses in seven different states. So, so. From the DMV. That's, that was the next question because we had, we had a contact out of Knoxville that would shoot us real Tennessee ones. Real ones. Real ones. But the problem was, is when that guy got popped, they just, Pulled oh, everyone that yeah. he had issued driver's licenses to. And I just went south in. from there. Just, I went, just into, went in. Yeah, I yeah we were doing that to a degree. Uh, find a little rural one someplace and go in like that. Yeah, I would so go, you know, as long as, um, as, I mean, as long as, like, I get your information in South Carolina, I can go to Tennessee. Right, because like, they didn't have reciprocity. They don't, they don't, yeah, they don't have, they, they can, they work on a, a hub system where they can request, immediately they can request, like, the data but right. they can't get the photo for right. like 48 hours or 72 hours or something. And it's like, okay, if he gives me the, the ID, I'm good. You know, if there's a question, they just don't give you the ID. They're like, I don't know. Something's right. not right. But it wasn't not right because I would walk in with the real soch, <laughs> the real person to do the real this, the real that. I registered to vote. I got this. I got this. I got that. You know. The register to vote. I mean, I, that's. Right. That's one of the steps. Yeah. You got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good because these are all real documents. So you're sitting right. there like, I'm ready to argue. I mean, if you have a problem, I'm ready to argue because I know everything's good. So how'd you get 27 passports? Um, uh, through the uh, uh, State Department. They don't ask for everybody always so says it's pre-9-11 it's, or after? Oh, no. This is all after. This yeah, this is, is after. I remember that. Now, they, yeah. Everybody always says, um, oh, they ask for your fingerprints. No, they don't. No, As a matter of fact, I just got my passport a year ago to go to Amsterdam to do a, a show called Inside the Mind of a Con Artist. Okay. I got my passport then. No fingerprints. I did get stopped. Yeah, on we the were way doing the uh, the way we were doing passports was filing for renewals on people who had never been issued a passport, and they were shooting passports out like that. Yeah, these guys had never had passports. Okay. I was getting homeless people, so Not I'd bad. go and I. It, Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. I like where your head's at. Not bad. You see? That's that's what we like. We like that outside of the box thinking. I I actually had I I made a a statistical survey form and it looked so good. And it was a couple pages. It was like seventeen questions. And I would go out to where the homeless people were. I made a salvation badge and I walk out there. And I'd say, hey, can I talk to you real quick? And they'd, get, they'd look at me and they'd go, oh, yeah, what's up? i go, listen, I work for the Salvation Army. We're trying to figure out where we're going to put our next uh, indigenous, uh, um, you know, our whole next homeless shelter. Say so you like crackers? I got yeah. some crackers. No. <laughs> I gave 20 bucks. Okay. 
fucking twenty bucks. You know, I'm not twenty dollars or Mad Dog. What do you want? Twenty dollars, <laughs> and then would go and borrow like a million, million yeah. point five in their name. Yeah. So you know, maybe not fair trade, but <laughs> still, they were happy. They were. No, I had nobody said I. Well, I, they couldn't have done it themselves. No, no. There you go. And so I would just say, hey, by the way, twenty bucks. We're trying to figure out, uh, you know, where to put our next homeless facility. Just right. a survey. Right. And they were like, um, yeah, what's up, man? I say, okay, just quick, real quick. I give them, you know, here, let's do this. Name, date of birth, social security number, mother's maiden name. You know, where you live or last known address. Where did you? Where live? did you live? <laughs> you ever been a member of the air of the uh, military? Do you get social security disability? Have you ever had a U.S. passport? Have you had any any identifications? And if so, in which states? Yeah, uh, so what, basically you're just fishing in person. What so high school did you go to? Because you can get right. their high school transcripts. Right. So I get their information. I then order all their information. Right. Get it all in. And then I know he's had an ID here and here or a driver's license here here. And then I just go two states over. And I right. walk right in and say, listen, I just moved. I lost my license in the in the move. I don't know what you need. And then you start, I know what you need. Well, it says here you're a five foot four black man. I, I know, but I identify as a black yes. man. Yeah. <laughs> with, with a good pair of shoes. Yes. So, um, yeah, so I would get, they would just go in and I, they give me the ID. Then you turn around. You immediately go and fill out for your, I would immediately fill out for my, um, you know, my passport. Go get the passport photos. Walk into the. Uh, U.S. Uh, post office where they have a passport control. You walk in there, you sit down, you sure. do your little boom, boom, boom. They go, okay, great. They sign off. They give you your stuff. They take your birth certificate. They mail it back 10 days later. Right. Used to be if you paid extra, within about six weeks, you got it. Now it's like three months right. before you get it. Right. Uh, but yeah, I would get them and I just get them and I've been in and out. On the run, I went to Greece, Croatia, Bermuda, Mexico, Jamaica, uh, Italy, um, I just already said Greece. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, I'm, I was, you got caught stateside. Yes. Yeah. How'd you yeah. get caught? Girl, uh, girlfriend. 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 You know. Stingray. Yeah. Stingray? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Stingray. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Stingray. Yeah. <laughs> that's what got me. So, yeah. yeah. Stateside. Um, okay. So, so uh, I guess I'm turning into the interviewer. No, no. Wait. wait I, but, okay. But you, know, you were saying. So that that those are the, were the constraints on me. Like I was ready to work at McDonald's. Right, by right. the way, I I, yeah, so, I was okay with that. So did you have? Did I did have trouble getting a job. Or I, no? I got lucky, and a buddy of mine, um, owned a gym. Okay. And hired me in the halfway house. And then by the time I got out of the gym, I was being asked to go on different people's podcasts, and I'd written my a book. Okay. So I I had published the book. I'd written like seven books. So I started publishing books. Self-published, you have a publisher. Well, so one of them was, one of them was published by a publishing company. Okay, but I mean, I got like a, like a you know, of course I was in prison. You right, know, right. I got like a thirty-five hundred dollars advance, barely make any money on the thing. Um, and I got made more money publishing on Amazon, self-publishing. No kidding. Than I've ever, oh, way more, way okay. more than I ever made on that. Um, you know, but I also had optioned the film rights to some guys. I got them in Rolling Stone magazine, optioned nice. film rights. Nice. Got out, optioned a couple more film rights. Um, so I got out. So I have a little bit there coming in. Um, and I had, and I started painting. You saw some of my painting. I like it. For those who, who don't know, his, his work is outstanding on <laughs> Patreon. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, where you need to go. <laughs> so I, I managed, you know, moved into somebody's spare room. And, and, but I wasn't like, I had all these job offers and every time I call my probation officer, it was no, 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 no. Right. right. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it, I would have been back into real estate very quickly or finance or something, but I'm, 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 I'm restricted from doing that. For I'm, how long? 
five years. Five years. Okay. And I can't get off probation early right. because I owe $6 million. Yeah, you're not going to get off that early. Right. Unless you violate, then they may kill it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what happened with you know, me. Oh, is that what happened? <laughs> you violated? Dude, so, yeah, I, I'm out. I uh, can't get a job. I'm out in Panama City, Florida. No money. Literally cannot get a freaking job. No money. I'm bumming money for my dad and my sister. I've got a roommate taking care of half the rent. Getting food stamps so I can friggin' eat. And, um, you know, they tell you, I, I guess they gave you the same speech. You know, when you get out, find something you care about and a job and you won't recidivate. So, shit, I can't get a job. What I cared about I had a little cat and uh, had the money to feed my cat. I didn't have money to buy toilet paper, man. So, went to the Dollar General store, bought the cat some food on the way out, kiosk there, toilet paper. And I'm like, first crime right there. And, uh, of course, you know, it, it Dovetails quickly from yeah, that yeah, yeah. point. But uh, my wife now, Michelle, so my turnarounds, my sister had disowned me. She comes back in my life after the escape. The um, My wife, Michelle, she uh, I ended up meeting her right after those thefts like that. Move in with her because I was getting ready to get kicked out of my house. Uh, moved in with her, finally got a job. And uh, the, job, the only job I could get was pushing a lawnmower. That was it. Uh, 10 hours a day, $400 a week was the pay on that. Pushing a lawnmower, busting my fucking ass. How old were you? Jeez, I was uh, 42 at that point. 43. 43 at that point. 10 hours a day pushing manual lawnmower and uh, busting my ass. I'd come in so tired of a night, literally fall asleep, wake up the next morning, take a shower, hit it again. Um, And I was happy doing it, though. I was doing, you know, I was finally doing something. Yeah. And uh, job ends, you know, Grass doesn't grow when it gets cold. I'm in North Florida. Grass isn't, isn't growing those four months. So job ends, and that that reason I commit crime, you know, I got to show Michelle I'm worth it. I'm like, well, I can bring food in the house, get on the dark web, get credit card details, start putting food orders in. And, of course, again, it dovetails because you're like, okay, food, kids need clothes, Christmas is coming up, shit, she could use some stuff. I get popped. Controlled delivery on a food order. Michelle had no idea what I was doing. Go back to prison. At my sentencing for that, um, U.S. Marshals, prosecutor, probation officer, me and Michelle. Michelle stands up. She's like, he's a better dad of my kids than their actual father is. I'm sitting there crying. Prosecutor stands up. We th- Prosecutor, we think he's a good guy. We think it's just a one-time thing. Probation officer, same thing. Judge, one year. Probation officer stands back up, says, your honor, if you'll give Mr. Johnson a year and a day, he can get the good time get back to his family. Judge amends the sentence to a year and a day. So I do 10 months. They send me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole different group than I had. Lucky as fuck. So go, go back to Texas for 10 months and have this big awakening moment. I'm like, you know, Michelle didn't need me for the shit I could give her. She just needed me for me. Yeah. So do my 10 months, get out. They kill probation because I violated. They kill probation at that point. I can get a job, get married to Michelle. Can't get a job though. You know, I'm the guy that steals everything. Yeah. So can't get a job. And I'm sitting there, you know, trying to find work at doing anything. Can't. And um, I guess you, you may be the same way. I know what my triggers are. I know what gets me back into crime. You right. know, back then it was, I know I'll go so far before I do it again. So I looked at Michelle. I was like, let me see what I can do. Signed on to LinkedIn, reached out to this guy named Keith Malarski, FBI out of uh, Pittsburgh. He was involved with a lot of these arrests back in those days. And I sent him a message. I was like, hey, you did a great job. No hard feelings. A lot of respect for you. I'd like to be legal. Dude responds within two hours, man. Takes me in under his wing, references everything else. From there, um, Identity Theft Council does the same thing. 
the CNP group, Card Not Presence, they're for online credit card fraud. They hear about me, hire me to be a keynote speaker. From there, Microsoft hears about me, hires me to consult with them. And that lays enough trust in the industry where today, you know, I've got my show, The Brett Johnson Show. I speak at Quantico. I am um, ambassador for AARP. This year, I, um, Arcos Labs, they started this new C-level position called Chief Criminal Officer, first one on the planet, all this other stuff. I'm talking to Ridley Scott, all these people about doing the show. And I'm, I, you know, I'm serious. And I, I want to ask you about this stuff too, but I, 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 I lead a very blessed life these days. Mm-hmm. And I don't deserve it, but I'm damn grateful to have it. And the question I have, you know, we, we've laughed a lot about 27 passports, right. <laughs> shit like that. But it, it's, you know, we can laugh about that. But at the same time, there, there's with me, there's been this, this just shift in the mentality. Yeah, I think about breaking law all the time, yeah. but I'm not going to do that. And, right. and where did that shift come with you? Um. Good question. So, well, it's not a good question because, like, I've had such a good interview, you know, mm-hmm. and it's been fun, and we've been laughing, and and then we get sober, right? And the problem <laughs> is, is emotionally, when I start to talk about it or yeah. think about it, I tear up. I like too. when you're, when, like, when you're, like, you know, I cried like that. Listen, cried yeah. like a small child yeah. at my sentence. I mean, just like, yeah. And when I think about the person I was and the person I am. Yeah. Although I laugh and I love that time in my life and I love doing those things, but I think about like when you went to jail, right? The one thing I know when the one thing you never once laid in bed and thought about was, God, I miss that nice car. God, I miss that. nice. You don't think that shit at all. All you thought about was I miss Michelle. I miss my fucking kids. I miss my cat. I miss like, that's it. That's, that's it. All I ever gave a you shit. Don't about. worry about that material stuff at all. That Absolutely, point. and that's exactly what happened. Was I went to prison, angry, pissed off, furious, didn't deserve this much time. Right. These piece of garbage. They Same. this. They, and, and I and I did and I was reasonable. I was like, you know, yeah, okay, I broke the law, but I didn't deserve this much time. Right. And even to this day, I'm like 26 years. Come on, it's that's a lot insane. of time. It's a lot of time, but it's like you don't get to choose. Right. So, you know, you're putting yourself at their mercy the moment you do that. So, and, you know, and I think that I started thinking that way. Met a buddy of mine. He got like 30. He actually got 40 years. Um, and, you know, we started talking. Um, and one of the things he had told me one time was, you know, you can't go to prison and continue to think in the same manner that led you to prison and leave prison and not expect to come back. Right. And I was, you know, and. And that's that's more than just oh no no but I'm not going to commit crime. He's he's like it's not the crime. It was your thought process. Yeah. So and you'll eventually commit a crime. You know if you keep thinking like that. So what happened is you know went to prison, wrote a memoir, my memoir. Okay. And when I was writing that memoir, I I ended up writing the first draft, which was horrible. <laughs> Had to rewrite it. Read several books about how to write. Right. And ended up writing this little tiny book, and I wish I could remember it. And the woman was like, look, you need to look into your life. One of the things you need to do is look in your life and figure out what the key moments were that helped create the person that you are today so that it will explain to the reader. It will give the reader reasons what helped craft you. Sure. And I used to hate 
to think about, to complain about my childhood or anything. You know, I don't want to say that because you meet, I mean, you meet guys that were like chained to fucking, they were locked up in the basement yeah. or their parents yeah. beat them almost to death or they, you know, horrible things right. that it was like, I didn't have that. You know, my dad's an alcoholic, you know, and it's like, what am I crying about? Daddy didn't love me enough. Like, but the truth is I rewrote that book. And as I wrote that book and really started focusing on that, I started realizing that there were definite things that led me to be the person that committed those crimes. And then the other thing I focused, started realizing was like, what a selfish, narcissistic prick I am. And, and I, same, yeah, and I same. fight it today. I fight it to this day. Yeah, like guys yeah. are like, well, if you, if you know that about yourself, you can, you, you know, at least you can help change that. I'm like, I try. I mean, I like being an asshole sometimes. I, I agree. I, 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 and that's the worst part is, is like you're trying to change someone who just loves himself. Yeah, like yeah, that's hard. Yeah. But, but one of the things is like, I, what really started bothering me was I, I took art app. Did it do any good? It did after for me. I think I, it did great for me. Although I had learned most of these lessons by the time I got in it. Right. But I really felt like it, it helped me really kind of figure out what my issues were. And I remember, I didn't notice it so much, but everybody that talked to me on the phone, I talked to my ex-wife and at five minutes in, she'd be like, okay, what's going on? Yep. And I'd go, what? She'd yep. go, we've been talking for five minutes. You know my kids' names. You're, you're asking how Nick is. Or, 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 you're her not husband. just focusing on you. Yeah. You haven't fucking said, you haven't told me what's going on with you. And I've asked twice and I'm like, I mean, nothing. I'm here. I'm doing whatever. I was right. just wondering whatever happened with, you know, with Ethan. I know he was sick. She's like, what's going on? So because the truth is when I have most conversations, I am typically barely listening. And most of the time I'm really just waiting for an opportunity so that I can turn the conversation so that I can talk about me. Right. And that is such a selfish, fucked up thing. And, and when I see myself telling myself at the beginning of a conversation, don't do it, don't do right. it, don't do it. And then 20 minutes later, I realize we've been talking about me for 10 minutes. And I think, you're a fucked up individual. I mean, we are. Right. We are. But, the, you know, that's the thing, though. So I, even today, like I, I took this nine hour drive to come down and talk to you today. And I which took, I appreciate. Which I even asked Tyler over. I was like. He's driving? He's, first it was he was driving. Secondly, because when he was saying <laughs> to me, when we were talking, I was like, you're telling me Brett Johnson's going to come on my podcast. He knows I can't pay him, right? He knows I'm broke, right? Did you tell him? He didn't ask for any money. No, no. no you need to make sure. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Or, you know, and he, yeah, I, I was. No, it, it, and and the reason why um, I, I try, I do every podcast for free. I don't ask for cash on that uh, because it's also a type of therapy for me. You know, oh, I, yeah. I try to find out something new about myself every single time. I wanted to talk to you because we've got that South Carolina relationship. You know, right. You, you had that U.S. most wanted thing, too. So I, I was like, this will be a good conversation. And I wanted to ask you that question that I just asked you. I took a nine hour drive and I do these long ass drives because I used to walk this track when I was in prison. And I would think every single day about my life, the people I'd fucked over, everything else. And on these drives, I get to do that again. Yeah. I get to consider everything, work through these issues, everything. Um, it, it's not surprising to me what you were talking about. You know, writing that—that's that therapy again. Where you, if you're truthful, <laughs> which, like I said, the first time I wasn't. Right, I wasn't, and that was a problem. But if you are, I mean, you—you you really sit there and you examine yourself, and you—and you get these answers that sometimes you don't want, but by God, they're there, and you can't deny them once they're out. And you know what? What's funny too, because I've anybody watching this is watching. Like I've probably said this a thousand times, is that you know had 
all, millions, all the money I needed in the right. world before prison. I'm on, I'm on, uh, uh, Zan. I'm not, uh, well, yeah, I've got a prescription for Xanax, um, Paxil, uh, I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. <laughs> I've got, I got a girlfriend and a girl. My girlfriend's got a girlfriend. <laughs> I've got tons of money. I got great vehicles. I've right. got, I'm traveling nonstop. I'm, I'm living great. I'm not concerned about being on the run. And even prior to that, when I wasn't on the run, I was just committing crime. I was just miserable, unhappy. Yeah. And then I get out of prison with nothing. And I used to love to tell people that I wanted, they were like, what are you, you going to do when you get out? I'm like, I'm working at McDonald's. And because, and they were like, why? I was like, because I, I want to work at McDonald's. I want to live in someone's spare room. I right. want to start at the bottom because I was so much happier in prison and so much happier getting out of prison than I ever was prior to that having everything I ever fucking wanted. Because to me, it's like I'm so – like you know, it is. It's the whole – I hate the, the term. I'm blessed. you know. But, but you I are. am blessed. I'm thrilled. I'm happy. I have people around me that like me. Because they want to be around me, not because I'm going to make them right. three hundred thousand next next month, or they're getting fifty thousand here or a hundred thousand here, or they're just hanging out with me to fucking hang out with me. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, because like, when you get arrested, you find out that those friends yeah. ain't. <laughs> oh no, no. The more money I made for people, the yeah. the the quicker they hung up the phone if mm -hmm. they picked it up at all. The people that I never made any money for showed up and came to see me, yeah. would come visit me, would send me, would look stuff up for me, send me books, would it, it was such a reality fucking check it for is. me to go it go is. to prison. You know, with me, and I'm 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 really no different on that. It's uh, if I would have gotten out and immediately went into, you know, the speaking, the consulting, the bullshit I do today, I wouldn't have appreciated any of it any of it. But I didn't do that. It took me years to build up the, the trust in that industry and, you know, applying this, you know, 16, 18 hours a day of bam, bam, bam. You mentioned before, you know, you wake up, you work 80 hours a week. I work 80 hours a week. Yeah. I wake up working. I go to sleep working. And, um, you know, it's, it's that the ability to build yourself up from nothing to that success in a legal way screams just i mean it's just by god yes at that point i've done it i i did it without doing anything wrong and it's me and it, you know yeah you were a criminal i was i was too but to show that we're able to succeed in in a legal lifestyle as well talks about the character of the person and i you know i'm giving myself credit too but yeah. you too man i mean it's 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 really there aren't many people out there able to do that you think of everybody that comes out of prison you know, at, at least, you know, under 40, you're at 87 percent recidivism rate right now. Most of those guys are going to go back. They don't have a support group. They don't have the uh, the ability to turn their lives around. And it's just this circular thing. And, and and we're very you're right. We're very blessed that we've been able to do that, that we've got that support group, people that help us. And then you know, what else can you say in that? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny, the uh, the support group thing, because like I, I used to. Like I can't mess up. Like like I, it's right. like if you had a support group, I think it would almost be detrimental to me because I'm like I'm like I have nothing. I can't. You understand? I cannot screw up. I cannot. And listen, it was so bad. I think I, I think I told Bozy this the other day. Um, was somebody I was at work and somebody said, and like I was saving every penny. Right. I had somebody goes, hey Matt, um, I'm going to uh, where are they going? Uh, 
whatever, sandwich shop. We're going to the sandwich shop. You want me to get you something? And I went, um, no, I'm good. I got I got a bag of lunch from the halfway house. You know, okay, you, right, right, right. Peanut butter and jelly or, Mac, or whatever it was, baloney. And um, I said, no, I got, a, I got a bag of lunch. And and it, she, her name was Leanne. And Leanne goes, she said, um, do you, Matt, she goes, it's, come on, you eat that every day. She goes, get get a sandwich from Jimmy John's. And you get a sandwich from Jimmy John's. And I went, no, no, I said, I'm good. She goes, come on. And I went, she, she was, I said, I, honestly, I don't have any money. I don't have money to do that. And she looked at me and she goes, it's fine. I'll get it for you. And I went, okay, listen, Leanne, you're not understanding. Let me, let me be perfectly clear. She was there. My <laughs> boss is there. Another employee is there. And I said, if out of the goodness of your heart, you want to buy me a sandwich, I said, I said, that's fine. I'll take it. I said, but if you're expecting some kind of a, a reciprocation from me, I said, like, Two days from now, I'll give you the money back or next right. week I'm going to buy you a sandwich. I said, I am not in a position to buy you a sandwich. I will not be in a position right. to buy you a sandwich for years possibly at the rate I'm going. And I said <laughs> – At the rate I'm going. I, I said, so if you want to give me a sandwich, that's great. I will take it. If not, I have a bag of lunch. Thank you. And she looked at me and she went – kind of looked around at everybody and she goes, I'm going to get you a sandwich. And I was like – I was just that – I was that like – like I bought $300 worth of clothes from Walmart in the halfway house. I still have blue jeans that I'm wearing to this day. And I can afford by, by right, But right. it's just like the materialistic stuff just dropped down to oh, yeah. nothing for oh, yeah. me. Like I don't want it. Everything right. I buy is from Ross or Marshall's or th- that's it. Like that's I'm, cool. I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not, I couldn't, I don't think I physically could, would be able to pay like 150 bucks for a shirt yeah. now. And back then I was paying three, 400 bucks for blue jeans. <laughs> it's like blue jeans. They sell them at Walmart for $29. Are you serious? What was your brand back then? You're paying 300 bucks for. Oh, they were diesel. Ah, diesel, diesel. I don't even know if they're still out. Like I, I know either. nothing about clothes now. I barely knew it then. But I, the girl I was with, she's like, "Oh, these are diesel. You have to get diesel." Yeah, my 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 stripper fiance, she likes sevens. So <laughs> that's what I remember. She tells me, "I, I hell, I never done anything like that." You know, I was the I was paying like eighty bucks for Luckies back then, and uh, she looks at me one day. I need some jeans. I'm like, "Where do you want to go?" Saks, and I'm like, "So yeah. she we walk into Saks, and she goes over to this counter, and I'm looking at shirts. I'm like, "Shit, that's two three hundred bucks for a shirt. I'm not going to buy that bullshit." So I look over at her and she's at the jean section. She's just taking one pair after another. It's bam, 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 bam. I'm like, holy fuck. So I walk over. I'm like, how much are those? Oh, they're $230 a pair. I'm like, how many pair you got? <laughs> and that was it, man. Yeah. I'm like, shit. They're expensive. They're expensive. Yeah. They're expensive. No, strippers, I mean. Yeah, they're strippers. expensive. Yeah. yeah, the jeans are expensive too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're expensive. They 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 have high tastes. She was, a, from what I understand, she was able to turn her life around. So I'm ha- I'm ha- yeah. thankful about that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so now you're you're doing the you're doing the channel, and you're- I've got. Uh, so speaking gigs, and- I've got the speaking. So for those who may be interested, we've got the Brett Johnson show on YouTube. Tune yeah. into it. But I've, yeah. I uh, speak and across I'll, the planet, I'll, and I'll put the we'll put the link in the thank put the link in the Thanks. description. I appreciate and, that. Yeah, um, I've got um, speak across the planet. Uh, I mean, I've literally travel all over the damn place speaking. I've got uh, the documentaries in the work. I'm talking with North South Productions for a um, Discovery TV show. Which is basically Brett Johnson scams you is what it is. Okay. So uh, talking about that, got a book in the works. I'm actually talking to one of the guys that's responsible for the Irishman. Talking to him this Friday on that. Um, Chief Criminal Officer of Arcos Labs. I mean, I, I dude, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm doing all yeah. right. You know, it's and, funny if you uh, just try and just kind of 
sounds, sounds so hokey. I hate to even say that. You know, you just try and do the right thing. It's like like good things start to kind of happen. It to does. You and, and, you know, my motivation these days, and, and it, it really is one of these wake-up calls when, when I talk to somebody and they finally realize it. I'm like, don't give a shit about money. Yeah. It's about doing the right thing. And I'm going to call it out. Don't give a shit who it is. So I'm, I'm that guy. I typically piss off somebody every week about calling out a company or something like that about doing wrong. But that's who I am these days. Yeah. Are you interviewing people on your channel? Like other I'm not yet. I, I've had the so Justin Pierce. I've had him on there twice. He's this kid out of uh, Arkansas. He's a good kid. He's 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 one of these guys that needs some mentorship, you know? Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to make sure that he's gonna be all right. Had him on twice. My my studio is not like your nice studio here. My studio is basically a box. We're wedged into the corner. Well, no, but on, I mean, on 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 film, this this looks like they're like, man, they're in a massive, nice studio. So it's like it's such good an size, man. It's good size. Yeah. But mine is 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 very small. Literally, I'm the only person who can fit in the room. I'm, we're gonna try to buy a house next year and get a studio where I can bring people in in person. I don't, I don't want to do that Zoom bullshit if I can avoid it. I, you know? I just, I just, I didn't either. I resisted the whole time, but right. to try it to get someone. To come here is such a pain in it the is. ass. And that's why luckily, like I'm here, he's here, you know, like we've we've got like three channels here. So usually sure. if somebody gets here, we just milk everything we can. Yeah, you should. Absolutely you should. I mean Well oh well, Tyler, he was like, uh, you know, do you want to do it on Zoom? I was like, No, I'll do it in person. When he told me that, because I, I just assumed Zoom for sure. I was like, Okay, so what he want he wants to do a Zoom? And he's like, No, no, he's coming there. I was like <laughs> He said he would like, be there. Did you tell him I can't pay him? Like I, you know, no, I'm going to show up in person. I, I don't I like that Zoom. I don't like that Zoom stuff at all. So yeah, that's what I do. And you're so you're a painter now. Yeah, you, and I like the work. Painter, I do. I mean, I love this shit yeah. right here. This is great. I I really I, do. I mean, yeah, these are are uh, like modified screen prints, but they're all yeah. different. You yeah, know, everything they're I do good. is different. They're all unique. But I I also just do regular painting. Yeah, I like the I like the uh, the what are, are they what what are the prisoner pictures that you're taking the criminal pictures that you're painting. The criminal ones? Yeah, are those the Patreon that we saw coming in that you showed? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's my Patreon. So that's who are they? Oh, they're all con men. <sighs> it's like Charles Ponzi. It's like um, uh, it's it's a Frank Abagnale. Okay. I've done, like I've done like – I've only been doing it for like four months. I like it. It's yeah. nice, man. Well, I got guys that have them on the wall. So think about it. If they keep paying, then like by the end of the year, they've got 12 or so. Yeah. They got a whole wall filled yeah. up. Yeah. So it's it's fun. That's it's good. Cool. That's good. Yeah, I thought it was a good – and it's 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 working. Um. Yeah, well, you know, and I, I, you know, I mentioned to John earlier. It's, it's, I'm a firm believer that one of the main reasons that that we commit crime is so we can have that fuck you money yeah. that nobody's going to tell us what to do. We're able to tell somebody get fucked at the end of the day, right. and uh, even today, I'm still looking for that. <laughs> you know? I, yeah, 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 yeah. I look. I like I said. I, I figure it will happen eventually. And the truth is, if it doesn't happen, like I'm okay. Like yeah, I'm, you I'm are. good here. Um, yeah, before you leave, I got to give you, uh, uh, everybody calls him John and I should, because I, for the men I'm in prison, it's Boziak, Boziak. you know, I, everybody, uh, so I mean, I got to give you his book. Like I wish oh, yeah. I'd given you oh, his, yeah. I wish I'd sent his book uh, to you beforehand, but <laughs> well, we'll talk to him and yeah, yeah. Bullshit okay. around with him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like the whole time you've been talking, it's like, I'm seeing all the, like, uh, uh, the, the, how you were communicating the first time I ICQ is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. yeah. First time I'd ever heard about that was when he explained it. Oh, As you were explaining now, the tracks, he's he had explained that. Yeah. To me. Like all that's in his book. Okay. He broke because he started with Carter. Right, right. 
you know, but, these days you've got Telegram, you've got Wicker, you've got all these other channels that are pretty damn impressive. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Well, and, um, well, let's wrap it up so you can, all right, you let's can do go it. over there. So is Matt, that, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, we're good. Okay. Hey, uh, I appreciate you guys. <laughs> you like the, hey, I appreciate you guys uh, checking this out or checking out the interview. Do me a favor. If you like the interview, uh, share the video. Hit the like button, hit the bell so you get notified of videos just like this. Leave me a comment and I will try and respond to all of the comments. Uh, hit up my Patreon or if you just like to send me cash, I'm good with that too. I appreciate it. Thank you very much and see ya.